You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate demons this out. Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? I'll have to put those here to test our faith. A damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Okay, welcome back to the Deep Share podcast, and this is uh, the f- the fourth part of my series, The Witness, where we're covering consciousness as the focal point, the center point, and the all-encompassing aspect of what many would define as individual separate experiences, like paranormal experiences, alien abductions in some cases, near-death and outer-body experiences, and our topic tonight, which is one of my favorites, psychedelic experiences. So, how's everybody doing? (laughs) Outstanding. So, let's go around the horn. We got Andre Mitty. We've got Natasha Kushinka. Sorry, Natasha. Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. We have Carlos Tanner. We have Expanding Reality, Brandon Thomas, and we've got the Schumann being, Mason. How's it going, everybody? Hell yeah. Great. So how should we start this off? Because this is going to get pretty personal at, at, at some level because we're going to be talking about our psychedelic experiences and how they possibly kind of can link up together and relate to you know bigger subjects. So perhaps we can kind of uh, start off with giving a little bit of background and what our first encounter with psychedelics was or 
yeah, let's start with our first rather than nece not necessarily our most intense or most breakthrough moment, but how did you get into the idea of even taking psychedelics? So let's start from my screen. Let's start with Andre. For me, man, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, well, I always knew about uh, the Beatles, uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So I was like, well, the best band of all time made a song about acid. And uh, it was uh, Doc Ellis's uh, learning that Doc Ellis of the Pittsburgh Pirates threw a no hitter on acid. I was like, I got to try this stuff. So that's that's what got me to try acid the first time. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a similar experience where I had heard of, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there was some physicist that broke some code while driving on acid and he pulled over and had to like write it with a marker on his windshield <laughs> or something and ended up solving some intense riddle in mathematics. Um, how about Natasha? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Make sure my mic is on. Yep. Uh, check, check. Doing well. Check, check. Um, my first experience, um, I believe, because I mean, it's, it's been so long ago, um, I believe was around age 23 with mushrooms. And yeah, it was just a nice experience. Uh, I mean, I, it's just so long ago, you know, the first time, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I love mushrooms in general. It just, uh, I feel like it's a nice little gateway into this uh, world, you know, not weed mushrooms, you know, cause it's not too intense. Yeah, it's, it goes that, you know, the direction. And um, yeah, I am very much into prescribing this uh, modality for healing because I mean, this, this is not the only world that that's that exists you know and we need to make sure we see so i feel like mushrooms in my opinion is just great as a first start i like it i like it that was also my first escapade into psychedelics as well however i did have the light-handed version and then i took a very high dose and man it rivals the intensity of any psychedelic in my opinion but you know, those are some intense doses and it's not for everybody. <laughs> Mark, my man, what was your first experience on psychedelics like? Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you for uh, asking me to be a part of this. I'm really excited to uh, hear from all of you. Um, I think kind of less psychedelic than most people would really consider, but cannabis and tobacco combined were my first real psychedelic experience um doing them alone smoking in a tree house that my father and i had built together uh something that really stuck with me to this day probably smoke a little bit on this show here um but i i you know i don't want to oh my goodness speaking of look look at where the homie romi is uh so yeah cannabis uh is is in, in conjunction with tobacco was probably the first uh, break through the threshold, I would say, for me. And um, and yeah, I just also want to turn over to Carlos if I could, because I think you know his work is incredible, and he's inspired uh, a lot of folks. You know, Andre and I, we were just talking on uh, my podcast about Aya, and uh, I'm very, you know, it's an honor to be a part of this conversation with you, sir. Uh, given what you've done for plant medicine. 
Absolutely, Carlos. And actually, Carlos was next on my screen anyway, so it's a beautiful synchronicity. Carlos, let's hear from you, man. How did you first get into this? Uh, thank you, Mark, for those kind words. And yeah, and thanks for having me on this panel. It's a pleasure to be here. I love talking about psychedelics, that's for sure. <laughs> um, my first psychedelic experience, which definitely had a massive impact on me, was with my two older brothers, two people that I love more than anyone else on the planet and trust more than anyone else on the planet. They had experience. I was in high school visiting one of them uh, at college. And he came up with the idea, just the three of us, we each ate three and a half grams of mushrooms, just the three of us together. So, you know, it was like, like I said, just a, a incredibly safe space for me to trust the weirdness of the experience. And I just took to it like a fish to water. I loved it so much. So I didn't just like have that experience and go back home. I bought an ounce of mushrooms and brought them home. And then and started having like experiences on my own, um, which kind of like, you know, spun me out, obviously, to become the director of the Ayahuasca Foundation. But yeah, mushrooms were more my go to until I found ayahuasca. I find that to be most people's answer is that mushrooms is almost like, dare I say, a gateway drug in that sense, because it seems maybe it's maybe it's because it's more natural seeming than acid or something like that people are more attracted to it. And I, I, I find some good integrity there because it just means that on a subconscious level, we're drawn to nature rather than, you know, whatever's being made in the lab, which feels good. So Brandon, how's it going, man? And every day above ground is a great day. I uh, also want to join Mark in thanking you for uh, letting us do this, man. This is awesome. So it's good to see everybody. This is great. Uh, my first time was actually acid. It's funny, 19 years old, you got like $80,000 or something crazy. So uh, we, we used to spend a lot of money to get hotel rooms and shit. One night he was like, you want to do acid? I was like, hell yeah. So I uh, did that, uh, two hits of liquid. I had a great time. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And then I was still in high school at the time. And uh, the story that I was staying out at somebody else's house fell through. And so I had to go back home, tripping balls for the first time in front of my mom. And um, it was terrifying, dude. Her eyeball popped out of her head, rolled down her you know, face and dropped. And I wasn't used to experiencing the lifting of the veil like that at all. Like I've done, you know, yes, Mark, you're absolutely right. Marijuana is technically a psychedelic, albeit a mild one, but it, this was very different. And we all know what I'm talking about. This shatters reality in every way possible, which is why I refer to it as like a cheat code or something, you know? And so with this experience, I uh, definitely moved on to do more, but I wanted to know, Andy, what was your heroic dose of mushrooms? I'm positive Thanks to ignorance, I've got you beat. What was it? It was eight grams. Eight? Yeah, and I feel like I've heard you talk about yours, and I think you do have me beat, don't you? Well, I didn't know anything about it. I was in Huntsville, Texas. The only thing to do to, is to get fucked up there. Uh, somebody <laughs> I was like, do you want some mushrooms? I was like, absolutely. And um, nobody was around to tell me how to do it, how much to do, anything like that. I was just getting fucked up. And uh, I took 14 grams, put them in a blender with Kool-Aid, a little bit of water, just crushed it and slammed it, dude. It was horrible, but I was like, I guess this is just what it tastes like and just slammed the hell out of it. 20 minutes later, unbelievable vomiting. Uh, and then probably the, the craziest about 12 to 16 hours I've ever experienced. It was, it was massive. It was really, really interesting. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it was crazy acid first. 
then crazy, crazy mushroom. And uh, then just, of course, dabbling in between all that. That's how you expand reality, Brandon. That's that's how you might do as it. well. You know, if we're gonna do it, I really have a go for it. You know. Yeah. So Mason, how's it going, dude? What's up, man? Glad to be here. Yeah, glad so, to have you, man. Uh, yeah, my first uh, my first ever experience with uh, with psychedelics was technically acid uh, a couple of years ago. Um, took a little bit you know, with some friends around a campfire and it was just, you know, it was all right. It was, it was cool, but I was, I was in a different headspace back then. And at the time it was more just, you know, oh, this is cool. This is like novelty, you know, it was more entertainment. And uh, I'm glad that I waited until my thirties, you know, this year was actually my first ever experience with mushrooms and what I would consider my first like true like experience with psychedelics on a level where like, I was like, wow, I, 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 never seen reality in this way i've never seen behind the veil like you guys would say like it was it was a very different experience for me and and much more eye-opening and actually uh part of my first ever experience was like uh, part of my first human beings video um where i just i just was like fuck it i'm gonna like start recording talk about what i'm going through and that was kind of where i started you know the channel and and making content that's awesome, man. You know, I had a similar experience where after my initial mushroom trip, I just, I had to carry around a notebook everywhere I went. And I was just <laughs> like a crazy person, just writing things that were coming to me. And I guess now you, yeah. we'd, all, we'd all probably call them downloads. That's a popular term right. these days, but that's, it was like just flashes because you can't take it all back with you. It's too much. So it's like my right. brain was spitting little bits of it back to me. It was wild. But yeah, that notebook helped when there was no big online communities. There was no Zoom that, you know, so it, this uh, this is a whole new way to to journal, guys. I love it. <laughs> and last but not least, the homie Romy sitting amongst plants right now. Plant friends. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing absolutely uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for having me here. Everybody, y'all are great. Uh, thank you, Andy um i hope the zoom is good because sometimes when we do zoom uh it it has a lag and a delay hey it sounded uh, pretty good it looks pretty you're, good you're good you you i will say you kind of look like you're reporting live from like a russian like <laughs> um, the combination of your outfit the headphones and the fact that you're like hiding in a greenhouse right now <laughs> there's so many people everywhere on the farm right now it's just like fuck uh, where, where, where can I go to not, uh, to truly exude all of the sweet, sweet hidden mysteries here that we have upon us in this great, awesome, amazing, uh, giant group cast that we got going on. Um, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, but seriously, I, I'm so, I, I am apologetic and, uh, because I thought we were starting at a 6:30 PST and, um, it was six PST. So I did get a few minutes late. Are we describing our first time? ingesting we, psychedelics we are just a little bit of background into how you got into psychedelics yeah you came in uh, just uh, just the perfect amount of late too, roman you you made oh, an entrance sweet. it's okay i'm so i'm so grateful thank <laughs> you i I'm, i don't like being late i'm i am a workaholic so um but uh my first time taking uh psychedelics was this kind of you know um i just turned 30 this year and there's about like this whole humans and stuff i feel like this there's so much psychedelics out there more maybe than there used to be uh you know it's kind of just part of like the growing up 
culture now. It's like, you know, you're taking it a lot younger. Um, and so we, uh, I think I was like a sophomore in high school and, uh, they were like, yo, we're going to take mushrooms today. And I was like, kind of scared, you know, I was like, okay, well, we're doing this because I'm hanging out with my friends and I definitely can't look like a loser. And boy, oh boy, it was a, a quite an amazing experience. We ate it on a dollar cheeseburger from McDonald's, if you can believe the hypocrisy in that. Um, <laughs> at the time, it meant nothing. It was delicious. And later ran into the police. Um, my friend had a cast on his leg with a skateboard and we're like, you know, cruising down the street. Um, it wasn't until uh, later in my life when I chose to go to a, a college, uh, Western Washington University, where I was just like introduced to um, like a, my roommate was a biochem major and I, he was 24 and I was 18 and he was a, he was an incredibly deep diver and, you know, he was I I saw why I was going to be a chemist because he really enjoyed drugs. And, um, and yeah, so that I kind of like shifted my whole life then and everything turned green after that. And everything's been about the earth ever since truly opening up my eyes and understanding that, you know, I think our existence is exactly coexistent with nature. There's no separation or anything. And the true drumbeat of our hearts is, you know, um, beating at that with the earth. And that's what psychedelics mean to me to, to always bring us back to the earth and understand that is the, the baseline of that. And, uh, yeah, it's Hell crazy. Yeah. It's such a crazy topic. I, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. And I knew going into this that like, you know, how do you have one talk about psychedelics? How do you put someone on the spot and say, all right, how do you feel about this when it's the most insane experience that anyone could ever have? And then, you know, you look around and you do some digging and some research and you realize that all these same deep, I feel like we could all probably get down with this idea that we've all come across archetypes of some kind when taking psychedelics. Would, can, we, uh, can we agree to that? Are we familiar with that idea? Some sort of, um, you know, seeing in metaphors perhaps and revealing things in that sense of the word. If that's Absolutely. a little vague, I can go Absolutely. a little further because <laughs> it's less. <laughs> I can dive into that. Sure. By all means. Yeah. I, yeah. I, my intro was pretty short, so I'll tell yeah, a keep longer it going, story man. here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to say that that first acid trip I had, I was a senior in high school and I had senior pictures the next morning. So not realizing you'd be up all night and your pupils would still be huge. My senior picture is uh, me coming off an acid trip. So <laughs> that was a good memory to look back on. Um, so for me, man, uh, as far as archetypes, it's kind of crazy because like the first time I did ayahuasca, the second time and uh, five grams of psilocybin, or of psilocybin mushrooms in silent darkness, um, they all tied together. And it was like, the same message, but different archetypes. And the first, the first ayahuasca ceremony, um, it was, uh, like growing up very religious in the church, um, that was kind of forced upon me. And, um, so that's what I was raised in. And so a lot of, uh, God and devil imagery were coming up of this duality. And I, I felt what it was like to experience like being the Abrahamic God and uh, being the devil and, you know, knowing what it's like to have that power is overwhelming and realizing there's aspects of each of those within each of us. 
And uh, it's all about the power you give it. And uh, the second journey I had on ayahuasca, uh, there was a battle between, at least I had the, the illusion of a battle between like this mother goddess, mother earth, mother Gaia energy, um, you know, divine feminine versus uh, this Abrahamic God, um, father, son energy. Like it was like, which one do I choose the divine masculine or divine feminine coming to realize, you know, it's about balancing the two and there's each of those aspects in each of us as well. And then the third being my mushroom journey um, and silent darkness was a game changer, man. That was my first time with no external influences and, you know, just kind of comparing and contrasting unity and duality and, you know, ex examining the aspects of each and going deep within the deep recesses of my mind in that experience and just loving myself, giving myself a big hug and telling me I'm doing fucking great. <laughs> You're bringing up a, a, a lot of what I read in, in certain books that have impacted my life in a big way, which is like the mythic consciousness. And I think my question that I'm going to try to turn this statement into is like, do you guys as a panel and all of you are, you know, can make your own assessment and add your own opinions, if you will. Uh, do you think that who we are as human beings, who our ancestors are, maybe even who we are genealogically plays into how we experience these plant medicines. Cause I think, you know, Andre explained his trip and, and had, you know, a certain, uh, we can say Anglo centric, uh, mythos play out in his mind. But I, you know, I would think it's a fair assumption to say that someone in an Aboriginal tribe or an indigenous tribe using a certain plant medicine wouldn't have any vision of an Abrahamic God or, a, you know, any sort of thing from the Western mythos. So, Anybody have any, um, an answer for that question, I guess? Psychic That's... driving. Um, I would definitely, I, I talk a lot about, you know, I live in Peru and um, I work with indigenous coranderos and I talk a lot about the difference between paradigms and the overlap of the Western paradigm, which I refer to as a material-based or material-centric paradigm and the indigenous paradigm or the ancestral paradigm, because it is our, our own ancestors paradigm as well, which I refer to as a non-material paradigm. And there is that slight overlap, but basically they're very distinct paradigms. And within that, you know, that's like, our story and like someone I, I think you just said myth Roman and um, you know if it if it is myth and I'm sorry if it was you Mark that said myth uh, whoever said it I think I heard it and that you know to me myth is like our story and our story is like the memories that we have it, it is our personal truths and and oftentimes our personal truths are passed down to us in the form of the stories that we're told quite literally, and the ones that we observe and we form for ourselves. And it is our collection of memories and our story that we rely on and refer to when we try to interpret new experiences, especially novel experiences that we never had before. We have nothing but our own references, which are those memories, which are that story. And so, of course, our interpretation of our experiences, which ultimately will be how we describe the experience and how we remember the experience, is based on our references of the stories that we have already formed by the collection 
and the interpretation of memories that we have stored. Does that make sense? That's beautiful. I, I, agree. I <laughs> that's so. Um, before we keep going, we have Emmanuel Kingman with us as well, who just joined us, and I want to get him up to speed a little bit. What from, up, everybody? What how's it going, do? buddy? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Pretty good, man. Better now to be doing this. And I'd like to hear how you originally got into psychedelics and what kind of impact your original experience had on you. Okay. So I did uh, just about every psychedelic. I've done LSD, DMT, shrooms, uh, four ACO DMT, San Pedro. And, uh, you know, the way that I got into it was actually I started waking up, I learned about giants. And then I started listening to Joe Rogan, you know, like, you know, like uh, diet woke, as they say. And uh, <laughs> I, I got into Terrence McKenna and I, uh, I started listening to all these different types of Paul Stamets. Uh, mm. I started really diving deep into that type of world. And I was like, you know what? I am ready to do it. And I ended up, I did a Hawaiian, uh, what are they? They're little seeds. I forget what they are. They're Hawaiian something. Woodrow's. Yeah, Hawaiian Woodrow's. Yeah, and I also did the Morning Glory was one of the mm -hmm. early ones I've done. I did uh, Salvia uh, as well, Devornum. I've done Ayahuasca. I've hey, done all of them. You have like a, a top ranked page on Arrowhead. <laughs> like, do you have like? Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I, I used to be like a century. Damn. <laughs> and it was in like a month and a half, like that. I did all that like every weekend. I did one, and it it was so it was crazy. So. It was a lot to integrate, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was an amazing time because I felt like it was like my 40 days in the desert, you know, like I was learning God and I was meeting God in all these new profound ways. Like the first time I saw God, I, it was like a, a computer chip and it was just like this huge computer chip and it lit up when I would say, yeah, I would ask it a question. It was a yes or no question. And it would light up when I when it was a yes. And I, I said, when you light up, does that mean yes? And then it lit up again. And I said, so if you don't light up, does that mean no? And then it lit up again. So it was like flashing on and off, like to give me some kind of like, uh, you know, signal that that it was it was connecting with me. And uh, it was just crazy from there, you know, just getting in touch with the creator as anyone will attest to here i'm sure it's like it's the most profound thing that you could honestly do in your life to go from you know like a a caveman that that i was into getting in touch with god it was uh, the most incredible thing oh yeah man i love that story i love your stories and uh yeah manuel and i do a podcast now every other friday and we we kind of talk shop about this kind of stuff a lot so a couple this theme that you and carlos both brought up is that it's it's kind of uh, about interpretation and from our memory we're pulling from what we remember and i think also uh what our culture kind of perpetuates as well you know how much we pay attention to in the external world what we're paying attention to and um, I often find in my exploration that whatever's happening naturally seems to be overlaid with a, an artificial attempt where we have something like simulation theory out there which is very popular 
to many different types of people. And I think if it weren't for psychedelics, I would be so 100% down and on board wearing the Neo outfit all down with simulation theory. But because of my psychedelic experiences, it always makes me feel like the simulation theory is us personalizing from our contemporary worldview, this very tech related future humans running past programs. Well, we're all obsessed with the past. So the future computer robots must be too. And they're running these ancestry programs to all of this sounds very human. It sounds very personal to a contemporary well, human. You know I what think, I mean? I think you're touching on something that's really important. If we're going to pull a theme out of this episode and maybe we could play around with this as a group, but I think this whole, um, you know, finitude, if I can use that word, that the average person who hasn't experienced lives in, you know, it's much like what Carlos is talking about with the material realm. I think any psychedelic plant medicine in the right dosage can give you an experience of infinity of the creator of the divine, you know, insert whichever word feels most comfortable to you there. But I think the average person, because they haven't experienced that, they look towards technology as this, you know, pseudo savior or, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, and we see that now sort of with the VR and the video game world, you know, I myself have a lot of friends that are kind of absorbed into this fake reality, you know, completely absorbed into the video game reality. And it's, it's strange, you know, it's really strange, but I think it's preparing people for this new transhumanist type of future, which is not the point of this round table, but I think you're making a great point of what psychedelics can, can really, you know, show you is that there's much more to offer you in life than what is in the material realm. How many, how many times, how many times have uh, you ever been uh, slightly psychedelically inclined and then chucked your phone across the room or the hallway said, get away. No. no. Uh, oh, I wouldn't have mine near me at all. When I was tripping, you know, I put a big note on it and said who my name and where I was and put it, do not call anyone under any circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, like made a whole list after my initial trip where I was going to check out what this movie felt like on, on psychedelics. And then I was going to watch this on psychedelics and see what that felt like. And I remember coming upon that list about an hour into a trip going, what is this? What are these hieroglyphics? And once I finally figured out what it was, I looked at the TV like, oh, no, oh, no, not at all. Like as if it, it was uh, like a poisonous spore sitting in the corner. It really felt that way. It was weird how it's like our inner child kind of knows right from wrong without our conscious understanding of it, if that makes any sense. Like even when I was listening to my favorite death metal on a lot of acid, suddenly I heard monsters banging on metal and everything rather than the beautiful symphonic stuff I normally hear. So it's weird what the inner child can do there. I don't know mm. if you guys are familiar or comfortable with that term, but I've been really fascinated by this concept of the inner child lately, um, mainly because it seems to describe this uh, ego 
or, you know, there's all different terms depending on which culture. I guess we're kind of talking about the same thing again, where it's like we're drawing from our memory, right? Where does it go from individual memory to possible collective memory, you know, away from just the physical aspect of us recording history that we know is not very accurate, you know, where does the collective consciousness come in to this situation? Because I'm always having a very difficult time and we all are seem to be gods of our own realms in a sense, yet we're all doing it together like galaxies colliding perhaps or something. I'm rambling, someone take it from me. In, in <laughs> the I, thick of the silence. <laughs> I, I I dig what you're talking about though and, I'm, and you know me man I'll fucking go there I'm on board with you I mean really when you start exploring ideas like that then we have to again like I said in your last panel about UFOs kind of you, you got to figure out what your reality is for you you know you need a framework for what's possible in this place this realm this globe this whatever the fuck you think it is simulation it doesn't matter because that perspective allows you to know where your boundaries are as far as what you're willing to contemplate then if you talk about exploring higher realms and that's your thing and which i agree with this then whenever you tap into the psychedelic experience what you may be doing is like i said like a cheat code or something it's something that's here for us to discover for those who seek the wisdom they find it uh, and they find it in the form of a connection to a higher realm or a different reality or a higher state of consciousness where everything does flow as one man and that's one thing that you come back and you find out from any of these experiences ubiquitously even even on acid, man, I, I knew that it was, it still had that feeling like we're all one, like we're all one hive mind consciousness thing. And, you know, again, to whatever you consider reality to be, because there's, you know, these cycles that go through naturally, the Hopi talk about this stuff, the Mayan, and these ancient cultures knew these long cycles that occurred with mortality on this planet and these, you know, extinction events that occurred, and then they would kind of store knowledge. But what's interesting is like, I mean, I read uh, Dr was saying something about the other day that everything that's ever been invented has already been invented a million times and other past civilizations that have occurred in this place. It's just this crazy concept to think that all of this stuff is here, all of it's there to be explored. Everything repeats in these cycles of death and rebirth on long scales, on miniature scales, on personal scales, because I, like you, kind of think that you are the commander of this realm. I'm not 100% on board with the idea of a consensus reality. There's no way that even in a reality that we all share, you could ever share the perspective of it accurately to any real measurable degree. But psychedelics are the things that kind of open you up to these concepts to be able to explore. And what I love about the psychedelic experience, like you said, back to the transhumanism thing, is that uh, it does separate you from that idea. It says, no, it's more organic. It's more natural because you're drawn to nature. This is one of the cool, fun arguments, you know, about um, psilocybin is that it's like a creature from another planet that mm. came here and it hijacks your consciousness. Because the only thing you want to do after you take your first trip on mushrooms is you want to go take care of nature and like you start growing little house plants and shit. You start picking up litter. You start, you know, uh, it's being nature's more defense mechanism. <laughs> it is. And then, you know, like they jump on, you know, dogs in your coat you always want to plant them and shit and you you know because i don't know about y'all but when i went to go pick the rule was you thump it then pick it and then take it with you because it drops spores for the next people but it's uh yeah man the whole damn thing like i said it just um, i'm now rambling uh <laughs> it just depends on your worldview depend on you know you got to get comfortable with that um probably before you explore that 
Well, I think it depends on what psychedelic, because the LSD, that's what the old technocrats, that's they all microdose LSD versus uh, someone who's going to microdose psilocybin is going to be more in touch with nature. It's uh, it's the fake version. It's the inverted version. There's an inverted version of everything. And LSD is, uh, you know, that shit is freaky. You know, I, I heard uh, somebody on Tinfoil Hat, I forget his name at the moment, but he said he saw people above him when he took it and uh i i could understand i didn't see people thank god you know i never seen no ghosts that would really creep me out but i could understand what he was saying because i started feeling like i was a machine there were several different times i did it and i was like i feel like i'm becoming my body which is the machine rather than my spirit which is you know consciousness as you guys are saying and uh, that's the difference between the simulation of we're in an alien's computer versus this is a simulation of consciousness to understand what it would be like to do the things we're doing and to work out every possible situation so that when we're born into another world a new world that is we'll know what to do and we'll be the perfect thing because we have experienced everything and we know which lifetime we want to live and we're going to go do it I really like that idea. I like that a lot. And it, it does kind of feel like it's not because a lot of people come back from psychedelics disillusioned to the point where they think everything is fake or, or, you know, nothing exists. Well, they fake. don't exist. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't, it feel like almost it's, it's not necessarily fake and meaningless. It's, it's filled no, it's, with meaning yeah. and it's, it's kind of, perhaps contrast to what is uh, essentially important like the you know the center point which is you or something which so i kind of if unless someone else has something to say i wanted to kind of yeah, go i would into, i, would, I don't want to turn it into a debate by any means but i do want to bring up a counterpoint to what uh emmanuel or todd said because i feel like um you know although Yes, LSD was used by the CIA. It was not invented by the CIA. It was invented by a chemist. And you know, he didn't he didn't really have any nefarious intentions with it. Maybe he was a little naive and didn't protect it in a way that it should have been protected. But I think we can see that although the the 60s yielded a lot of things. There was a lot of consciousness expansion that took place, and I don't right. think that was all bad. I don't. I don't think. Oh, well, I'm not suggesting that uh, it's bad necessarily, but uh, compared to the other ones, it's the one that's going to get you hooked to the machine. I mean, it, and whether it was made for, I, you know, I don't know what it could have been made for. I don't trust any of the history that we're told. So what what it was made for, who made it, what he did, you know, none of that really matters. It's just that that one's the one that hooks you to the machine. Like I've. I felt very robotic and alien. Like the only times I felt alien in my body were the two times where I did LSD. Like I literally, that was the best definition I could give is that I didn't feel right in my body. And I, I completely respect it's like robotic. experience of it. I think that's valid. You know, that's, that's true for you. But I will say to counter that I've had uh, a, an experience on LSD where I connected with a deer. I was sitting on top of a stone and a big deer with nice set of a rack of antlers. And we were 10 feet away from each other and really looked eye to eye. And, you know, it's funny because Andre and I just had a whole conversation and I didn't want to uh, bring that up because it is so personal when you have those moments. I think they, they're to be cherished, you know, and, and a mentor of mine said, well, yeah, that's 
your spirit animal at this point in your life, you know? And I think that was true for my experience. So, you know, I will counter that. I will agree that like, in the realms of uh, chemistry, like DMT has given me that same feeling that you're describing about um, about LSD. But I, I say that because there's two versions. I mean, there's the version that comes from a plant. I mean, obviously DMT is in many different plants, and I think it's endogenous to biological organisms. But there's a kind of manufactured version. I don't know that I'll just say I received it in the mail because I'm a podcaster. <laughs> this kind of thing happens, you know, crazy enough. And I'm afraid to do it because like Todd's expressing, like there is some weird energy surrounded. And I've have heard stories where people interact with entities that they maybe just weren't prepared for, or uh, unfortunately left them with some like, you know, lifelong problems, let's say. I'm going to jump in here real quick, too, on this note, because I think it's important to say that no matter the, um, you know, the, the, the invention or the birth of this, you know, said uh, ingestant that you take, whatever it is that alters you and allows you to have whatever experience, there's multiple um, sets of intention that go into that before you put it into your body. So there's the intention of all of the people and hands that it passes through. And there's something that's so powerful about the, um, you know, the waves and the, the intention um, that we all share. That's, you know, and, and to touch again on the um, collective consciousness standpoint, like when and where does that, you know, begin and, and end between your understanding of you and your consciousness and then everybody else's. Um, <clears throat> intention is huge in that like if you're silent sitting in a room with full intentive people and you're all sitting with intention that silence that thick goodness that thick goopy goodness of just being there and we're all living and 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 hearts beating and breathing and and everything's happening that's when we start to connect in that thick 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 goopy silence and that intention of love and the heartbeat on that and so i think psychedelic experiences can happen without the drugs too and with the intention of it and the understanding of getting there through the vessel of whatever it may be that was beautifully yeah. said Roman. so if i could jump into maybe i can try to tie some of these pieces together like what i was talking about earlier how we use our references of interpretations from the past our story that we tell our memory sets to determine how we're going to respond and interpret to our our, our future experiences or the ones we're having most especially during a psychedelic experience like emmanuel i'm going to take a wild guess that somewhere in your memory set was an idea about LSD being a synthesized uh, laboratory produced substance and perhaps you already had read about like the CIA's use of it or microdosing as you mentioned like the elite or whatever you said you know and 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 maybe that shaped the way that you interpreted the way that you were feeling and the sensations that you had towards something that fit in line with the story that you already had even if it was somehow buried somewhere and you couldn't quite bring it up to your front of your consciousness it was something that you'd heard along the way and a lot of times the stories that we tell are like that and and maybe in mark's case like he he didn't bring that story in so 
you both had your own personal experiences and more importantly, you interpreted them based on the stories that you already had and the memory sets that you already had based on previous interpretations of information and sensory experiences that you had. And that kind of gets to what Brendan was talking about, uh, Brandon, where, you know, maybe we're all living on the same reality, but because we're all interpreting it individually, ultimately we live in our unique realities and, and there's just this kind of overlap of all of that. And I guess maybe this could be a segue into what is a psychedelic? You know, what does a psychedelic do? From my point of view, what a psychedelic does is it reduces sensory gating. So our, uh, system is capable of taking in trillions of bits of information. It's not capable. It is taking in trillions of bits of information every second, but it's just way too much for the front consciousness, you know, our upper consciousness, the, the like functioning consciousness that we have to process. So we have these systems called gates. They're like literally reducing the amount of information that we deal with and that allows us to see within a spectrum the visible spectrum it allows us to hear within a spectrum the audible spectrum so it's a frequency spectrum a frequency of energy that we can perceive with our eyes that's we can perceive way more than that but we have a sensory gate to our consciousness that only allows us to process those frequencies of light that we refer to as the visible spectrum, the same with our audible spectrum, all of our senses. And we have the five like physical senses or external senses, but then we have all of our internal senses too. We have our neural networks of our brain, our heart and our guts. So we're working on three different neural nets and a neural network of our brain typically is the one that governs our thoughts. Uh, which is often attributed to consciousness, but we have a second consciousness, which is the neural network of our heart, and that governs the body of our emotions. And then we have a third neural net, which is the, the in our gut, and that neural network is the consciousness of our body, which is so that we have our body and our emotions and our minds, and those are literally three separate neural networks that all have a consciousness. And when you take psychedelics, all of the sensory information that is accessible by those neural networks is increased or the, the, the sensory gating is reduced. And so what happens when you're now like accessing more information? Well, it automatically puts you in a state of learning. So you're, you're, everything is novel, even something that you've done a thousand times on psychedelics, it's new. And so it puts you in a new state of mind where you're going to learn it. And that presents itself with these tremendous opportunities to change the way that we think about certain things that were detrimental to us. And that's what I focus on in the work that I do about healing. To me, that is what healing is, is changing detrimental personal truths into beneficial personal truths. And that can be done better when you put yourself in a novel state of consciousness where you're going to relearn everything just by a matter of response. And so in the case of like how you're interpreting an experience on LSD, well, it's possible that the neural, um, that the sensory information that you're getting is different when you take LSD than it is with mushrooms and it is different when you take ayahuasca or you smoke DMT or whatever the substance is and I agree with you too like it doesn't have to be a, a known like psychedelic experience 
it can just be a set of circumstances also. I think that like in naturally we have a um, reduction of sensory gating when we're in, in, when we're in a threatened state, you know, when our survival is threatened biologically, we want to have access to more sensory information because it might be what gives us the advantage to survive a sensation, uh, an experience or a situation. And so I definitely think there are times when we find ourselves accessing more sensory information. And, and so when, now I'm gonna to try to tie it in. So now when you have an UFO experience, for example, you see a UFO, which I saw a UFO on my very first ayahuasca ceremony. And I think that I saw it because my sensory gating was lower. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back now. I didn't think this at the time. And because of that, the spectrum of light frequency that I was able to see was increased. And so a UFO specifically reflects a, a frequency of light that we cannot see because it doesn't want us to be shown. They, they, they just like we like, you know, if we're studying an animal, we like build some crazy blind and hide in it so that the animal doesn't know that we're there because we understand that our presence will change the way that it behaves. And we wanna see them in their behavior without the change of behavior as a response to us. And I feel the same thing that UFOs are doing, but I saw the UFO because I could see it into that spectrum. And my second ceremony, I saw a person who had died, who was a close person in my life. And he came to me, I felt him touch my shoulder, I shook hands with him, I communicated with him, someone else in the ceremony in the ayahuasca ceremony, saw him too, and called out to me to, to let me know that they could see him. So here was a spirit that I could see. And, and I also feel that was the result of sensory gating reduction, where I had more access to sensory information, and that allowed me to see spirits, and it allowed me to see UFOs. And then in terms of the near-death experience, if I can just fucking roll it all in, Hell yeah, then, go for then it. I have had an experience also where I was definitely sure I was dead and I left my body. My spirit was floating over and I amazingly was like, fuck, I died. And then it was like two seconds later, like, well, what are you going to do? You know, and like you accept it very, very quickly. And angels came and they took me like I was going to go to heaven. I don't know. And, and interestingly, to get back to how I started, I started to think I'm going to go to heaven you know, because that was a story that I had learned. Like that was the story that I grew up with. You know, there's a heaven. These are angels. I still call them angels. I don't know what they were, but I know I call them angels because that fit my story. That's the way I'm going to interpret it. And that's the way I'll remember it. And when I met that spirit, he had committed suicide and I'm not even Catholic, but there was a point where I just thought, well, fuck, I'm meeting a spirit. That doesn't happen every day. And I know he commits suicide, is he stuck in purgatory? I don't even know where I got that, but that's clearly a story out there. You know, I must have heard it. And I was open to any idea at that point. And I said, do you need my help? Or like, maybe he needed my help to get stuck out of purgatory. And he thought that was hilarious. And he said, no, dude, you need my help. And, and so all of those experiences, one, like I kept interpreting them based on the stories I had, but two, I was capable of having all of those because my sensory gating was reduced, I was increased in the sensory information I had access to, which ultimately could be called expanded awareness. Sorry, you thought I was going Come with on. reality, Brandon. Ah, right here. <laughs> fucking Carlos Tanner, everybody. Carlos that was amazing. 
Jesus. Hey, uh, you know, and when you were saying that, what I think about about viewing reality differently, Carlos, is like, you know, in um, National Treasure, I'm going to really class it up here. I get, nobody's going to be able to follow you, so I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I, yeah, no, and everybody I, just jump well, in, man. <laughs> fuck it, Doc. I know National Treasure, when they find Benjamin Franklin's glasses, and there are all those different things that you put down, you know, and in different combinations, you're able to view different things on pieces of paper, hidden objects, whatever. It allows you to see things that are there, but not visible to you until your vision is altered in this way specifically, and it's a very specific way. So to also marry this all together, that could be what happens with these different experiences. You're viewing things that are around you all the time. It's just now you're viewing them through the LSD uh, Benjamin Franklin glasses, you know, and now you're viewing them through the San Pedro glasses and ayahuasca, and then you take a combination of the two, you know what I mean? And uh, so this is where you can access visually and of course, the extra sensory, uh, these different realms or whatever the hell's going on. And you though, you can't rule the shit out, dude. I just gotta say it, could be creating all of this and none of this is fucking real. It makes a real impact, but none of it's actually- So happening. let me- It's let me, semantic and you're creating all of it. Let me just jump in real, real quick here. And let's, can we play with the idea that it's all an illusion yet it's all real instead is, has anyone well, kind well, of for helped, sure. can, it, kind it of come to illusion. this conclusion it, to, of course like, it's an illusion but of course it's real it's both because it makes but, a real impact on you because you learn lessons you grow mm -hmm. you evolve you spiral up in your consciousness and you that's how we do it i maybe one of the ideas well, is so the so, reason yeah. why I, I the reason why I brought that up was because that kind of was what impacted me for so long and kind of without a good community uh, I was very alone in these thoughts and I had a, not a lot of good training and so the idea that nothing was real the thought ended there you know what I mean and for so long I kind of got stuck in there and I, I think mm -hmm. I recently seems I seem to have found what like the best description for it, which is the dark night of the soul, where like all this realization compounds, but you, you don't see, like, I guess it's so cliche. You're like in the, you're at the bottom, you're at the very bottom of the pit and you can't see the light because you're facing down as if that's the only way you can face, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to come out of that. But once I finally did, I kind of felt like there's a Trinity in a lot of religions. Right. And I feel like back to what I was kind of hinting at, we don't have to go down the nefarious crazy road about tech overlords or anything, but the idea of simu <laughs> simulation theory kind of being more of a psyop towards like what is actually happening naturally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or like a distraction, should I say? No. Um, it's kind of like along the same lines where that future, that mentality tells you that you can just upload your consciousness into a machine. The body doesn't matter. We'll figure that out with science. And that for a while is really cool to a guy who's also stuck in video game land and has always liked the idea of VR and all that. But now I'm, I'm taking a big step back because of what it kind of means to me on a deeper level you know what i mean yeah. and i'm just I, wondering I, oh, yeah go ahead no go ahead i, I was going to say when we get stuck in the astral realms uh spiritual people often do this uh, mm -hmm. i myself was doing this for a while video gamers can do this 
Uh, I mean, it's any kind of thing where you're thinking and being creative. When you're just sitting in the creativeness so much, you get lost in the astral realms and you have to ground yourself. And I think uh, psychedelics did this to me big time because what it what it did for me was it made me super psychic. And I was like, I was a dumb caveman. And then all of a sudden, boom, I got superhuman abilities. And it's just like, I don't know what life is anymore. And I'm just imagining so grand the entire picture of the world. And I'm trying to make as above so below literal and i'm trying to see every dimension in between here and the infinite you know i'm really looking at all of it that way and i really see how i'm affecting my universe i see when someone interacts with me i'm like oh yeah last tuesday you know i got smart with uh macy over there and and now someone else is uh being an ass to me so like i started seeing all that and i was like man like what is life started getting real upset and not upset but just like lost in a sense uh you know and this was right around the election too so it was like a big letdown that you know biden got in there and i was just like you know what i need to unplug from everything so i uh i went off all social media and i found jesus for real i, I had an injury and it grounded me and it turned my superhuman abilities i had no control with into healing powers and a conscious mind of being a human and helping people and knowing that we are here for a purpose and this isn't just some dream reality that nothing matters that we are the ones who are going to stop the evil parasites from spreading any further and it was all through me grounding myself and cutting off from all of reality because of, of not reality, you know, just all of that stuff that was pulling me into those creative fields. I got way too creative for way too long. And, uh, you know, Jesus was the thing that really grounded me. So, you know, I, I recommend Jesus for everybody. Like, seriously, I, I really do. Uh, but yeah, when you're doing th these types of things that we're talking about, it's, it's important to ground ourselves. We often uh, don't do that uh, enough. And, and we're often talking about how amazing the psychic world is and it makes people imagine they've never been there but it's also important that we pull ourselves back in i do like that idea of grounding because it's always played into my like this thing that i can't get around which is balance i've always felt like if something's out of balance then it's it's not correct by just by nature you know what i mean so i mean i do agree with that that you can get lost in that so my notebook was getting out of control off in never never land for a very long time before i was able to it took a very long time for me to ground myself from from all these experiences and i think the chaos is part of part of that and maybe we can talk about this weird aspect real quick i was wondering how many of you guys are familiar and i'd like to hear from those who've been quiet maybe Anybody have the Truman Show experience on psychedelics, like on a very deep, creepy, solipsis kind of level, if you guys know that term, <laughs> which, you know, even Ram Dass has talked about, like he visited his brother in, in the psych ward because he found out he was Jesus. I said, oh, that's great. I'm Jesus too. And he's like, no, but he only thought he was Jesus, you know, and it's, it's like this solipsis where it, Kind of like Truman Show. I don't know what else to say about it, really. Has anyone felt that way on psychedelics before? Uh, so I have felt, I used to do it in my apartment alone. So when I used to do all these different ones, I don't mean to keep jumping in, but, it, right. you know, 
uh, so I, when I did it, I very much felt like there was nothing outside of my apartment that I heard no sound that if I didn't open my door, you know, nothing would be there. And then what happened that was like two times in a row. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I'm God, like everything is revolving around me. And, uh, you know, I was, I was having those thoughts. And then the next time I did it, I kept having people knocking on my door, calling me. I didn't put my phone on do not disturb. Like all this, this crazy shit was happening. And God was like, Oh yeah, you think, you think you're God, huh? Like, then why are they, why are they messing with you now? Uh, so yeah, I very much did have that for a while, but then God uh, corrected me very quickly and very freakily. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, Anybody else? Yeah, Natasha. So, yeah, as far as my experience with, um, you know, along the lines of the Truman Show feeling. Um, so when I was 16, my first experience with marijuana, actually, um, um, it's kind of disconnected me from this reality in a way where I was kind of like outside of my body, but not, you know, like I'm still inside my body, but it was just like, there was this, this bigger awareness where it just felt like this world is not real. Um, there's there's a, a uh, what is it called? A um, psychiatric condition uh, out there called depersonalization it's basically you're disconnecting you know like you're you uh like you're like you're observing yourself it's a very uncomfortable thing um i read up on it you know like i uh researched it and um kind of like i came up with with something like among all the other information um that it's like an enlightenment experience but uh, the dark version and by dark, I mean that I was in such a messy place in my life where there was just so much fear, so much um, uh, ungroundedness that it was not a positive experience of enlight enlightenment, right? I mean, what is enlightenment, right? Just awareness, ex expanded awareness, you know? Um, yeah, so yeah, I just have this, this expanded awareness I kind of want to say naturally, though it was, um, it was, it, it did get launched or started by my marijuana experience. Um, yeah. And then eventually I balanced out and, you know, I cleared all the traumas, all the fear, got myself grounded. I'm in a pretty decent position. There's a little work left to do, but I'm a pretty, pretty good place. So awareness is there, but grounded. And I wanted to touch up on um, this whole simulation uh, conversation that we had. So the way I see it is, okay, so there's, there's God, right? I say this because, you know, like we have all these different words. I believe under higher power. Um, so God wanted to have experience. It wanted to get to know itself. Um, so it created with, you know, energy, right? There's like energy created boom big bang created matter right with matter eventually there was evolution you know there was planets and evolution and as these life forms evolved and were able to think more and more god was able to i guess experience more and more so technically i guess what i'm trying to say is that it is in a way a simulation but a an organic one 
Because like, you know, God is the consciousness, but it's having a simulation through the organic platform. So 100%. there's to that I think... simulation part, but it's not the, it's not the uh, VR or, or AI <laughs> version. Right. You know? it's, it, you're yeah. right on with that. And I try to say this all the time, anytime simulation comes up, because I think the computer cyberspace world has become the most convenient metaphor to explain that. But you can see in ancient texts, they had the same concept. They just used uh, more relevant terms to them to describe it. I, one thing that comes to mind is like Indra's net from the, uh, from the Rig Veda, I think it is. Uh, and and it's like this idea of uh, of all these different beads on a big fabric, and it's all connected into one, and everything sort of blinks and responds to one another. And you know, scientists all agree that that kind of happens with the double split experiment, proving uh, what it, I don't remember the exact term for it, but you know, the the idea that particles in space are responding to one another and and their location has nothing to do with it. It's a sort of tele telepathic type thing. But I think people get too uh, too caught up in that you know simulation theory type uh, worldview. And I love that we're all sort of resonating at least in clarity and in honor of the bio nature network that we're all from i mean that's why we're here and and we always think of like computers and stuff as not organic but they come from minerals in the ground i mean quartz and all of these different periodic table of elements those are all natural things just as much as a, a plant that grows is you know some of them are more toxic than others but the point is you know, we have to keep that in mind that we're kind of in an organic simulation emphasis on the organic, not the simulation. Hell yeah, man. And people get so, uh, you know, so caught up in, in this whole simulation thing. They're like, well, then what I do doesn't matter. Mm, it does because the consciousness is there. Cause and effect. Keep they want around. you to think it doesn't matter. And it does <laughs> matter. It matters around. very much. <laughs> <laughs> Keep That's what I was kind of around. saying about like how, yeah, you can just upload yourself eventually. Like, and I know that sounds sci-fi, but we know that there's legit articles that have influence from scientists that this is where things are at least trying to move. Very prominent scientists are now talking about immortality. And that's kind of where I wanted to get to right now, because of this idea of as above so below i like to call it a russian doll universe almost where it's very fractal where it seems like you know we in the conspiracy theory world we look at uh, the helicopter landing uh recently and go oh look they're they're parroting saigon at us they're they're making fun of us they're they're mocking what happened and that to me looks more like a fractal of something that just happened to happen in the past. You know what I mean? We have this fractal nature, it seems, where it's just repeating the same things over and over, but, but expressing itself in different ways. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember with friends, the first real time being with friends, trying to get your head around your psychedelic experiences, all you could ever say was, it's like this, it's like that. You'd be using metaphor and simile. Your friends and you would be just dancing around whatever it actually is, and you can't name it. 
and you can't bring it back with you, but you can only bring back the metaphors. And I find it really interesting that we have these people interested in, in you know, uh, uh, living forever and stuff like that, and possibly advertising it through this artificial version of what everyone's so terrified of, which it seems like death is the singularity to the natural way of looking at this, the more organic way. Would you guys say the same? I know that was a lot of more word salads. I, I, I'm going to have to hop back in with it. it. Depends on what you think reality is, because if you think that yeah. we're all God experiencing itself subjectively, the, uh, the option, because that's what I feel everything is here. It's just an option. It's a, it's, what do you want? What do you want it to be? So one option God might offer itself thinking bigger than on the scales of multiple lifetimes or in more like thousands or tens of thousands of years, rather than from our perspective of, experiencing everything we can in this one life then you would say well god may have the ability eventually to create something within itself to experience what a transhumanist type of an agenda would be where you upload a piece of itself into something mechanical i mean these are like the thought like you blow it out a little bit and that's not unreasonable you know it's just mm. an option it's part of it like you could do that there's no separation of any of it if you follow that model and it's the one i enjoy the most uh, but it if that is the case then nothing is separate there's no other entities and the ones that are are still you and they're still part of you and that's why you experience all these different things but there could be this as an option it, it's just one of those things it's like a choice it's like a choose your own adventure okay do you want to be transhumanist for ten thousand years uploaded into a robot <laughs> fuck yeah let's do it dude roll it Right, because then the battery runs out someday and you end up in the same place it just takes a yeah, lot longer i mean it's, you know and then the consciousness just goes, oh, yeah, I'm one with everything. And then just evaporates out of the damn machine. And then there it goes. You know, and maybe that's, like I said, an option. Because like, you, like, like we were saying, that everything's kind of organic. Like Mark nailed it with that, that it comes from the earth. Those metals that were used to create this intelligence could just be as organic as anything else. And then once the consciousness fades out of this robot, whatever the fuck it is, and there you go. And it returns to source as just another option or expression of, you know, what it's capable of doing. Not it that seems... it's bad, you know, people may be coerced into doing that shit, but it's always your choice. You mm. always have the choice to choose whatever the fuck you want. If you want to go down that route, fucking it's a choice and go for it. And then one day you'll remember that we're all one and just return to source and go, man, that was awesome. Let's do it again. And I want to be over here this time. And I'm going to be a dog <laughs> in this dude's life. You know, maybe it's like that. And we're back to uh, intention, because if that's the case, yep. you know, you you. Well, I think we mentioned it before. Uh, Natasha mentioned how nothing, you know, people can get into the nothing matters zone where nihilism takes over and then littering doesn't matter. Fuck the planet, fuck everything, right? If it doesn't matter. But I think that's when people are completely missing the point, right? Well, what if it's parasites that are causing everything? You know, all of the, the evil in our world. What if it's literally parasites and if it. it's not I, actually part of us but it's something that has invaded us and we we are the white blood cells that are fighting off the virus infection that has invaded the being of god that we are actually in so our actions are the most important because what if the way to do it is to love it out of everybody so that they don't want to do bad things anymore dude i, I love i've this. said that i've said that exact i i fucking i love that thank you yeah so the body, so, we're the body of the earth we're yeah. the white so we're the blood out. cells we are the organs right so let's go to carlos with this because emmanuel you and i have talked about this a number of times 
And Carlos, you know this more than probably any of us. Um, we were talking about how the origins of ayahuasca are so fascinating and how when anthropologists went to these people and asked how they figured out out of 50 million plus species of plants, how did you figure out how to get this orally active by combining these two plants? And I believe the explanation was that the plants whispered it to us, the gods told us, like whispered us the, the truth about it or something to that effect. Do you have more information about that angle, about how this, it's the ultimate coincidence when it comes to psychedelic culture, how the hell they figured that out? I got a theory. Well, <laughs> hold your um, thought. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the answer. I've definitely given it some thought for sure. Um, if I If I can just, take a moment before I answer that question sure. and then maybe it'll all I, I'm a big fan of like trying to tie pieces together here me too um, man that's why you, I you do started these. out saying like as above so below and you know I really like what Emmanuel was talking about and in terms of parasites it's maybe important to remember that like five pounds average human weight is not ours it does belong to foreign entities and they are the heart of our immune system actually we rely on foreign entities and they are introduced to us slowly as we are born in fact the way you're born your your the baby is meant to like scrape its face along the colon wall of the birth canal you know which shares the wall with the poop chute essentially which is where a lot of those bacteria reside in, in specifically to like give those uh, bacteria to the child to prepare their immune system when they get, I mean, it's all freaking fascinating, you know, and, and totally like we are definitely the body of the earth, you know, we, and, and so the as above, so below, like my body is made of trillions of cells. No one would deny that. We learned that in biology class. You can take out one of the cells. It has its own consciousness. It has its own reproductive system. It has its own circulatory system, excretory system, reproductive system. It's its own little entity, yet trillions of those collectively make me and all of the complexity of me. And they're all like this unbelievable world that is me and that is you and that is each one of us. We're all essentially our own like planet of trillions of living beings that make us all up and they're all conscious. They all have a separate consciousness that they could live on without us, but ultimately they, they collaborate and live with us as well as living with beings that don't share our DNA. They're foreigners, they're extraterrestrials, if you wanna call us the planet in that metaphor. And likewise, we are individuals and we are the cells of the planet earth. And so the earth is a singular body, it is a singular being, and we are the cells that make up that planet. And the earth, is also a cell in a much larger body. And ultimately that is the universe. The universe is a singular body that has a singular consciousness, the way that I am a universe when all of the planets that are my cells. And so there is this true, that uh, as is above, so is below. I mean, ultimately really the planet is an, is an electron and the galaxy is the cell but whatever you know that the metaphor is there and so what is god yeah god is the universe and the conscious being and all of the body is all of it and we're a part of it and that's where the all is one we're all one 
with the consciousness of the earth, just like the cells in my body are all one with my consciousness. They are my consciousness. They are made of my consciousness. And likewise, your consciousness, we're all made of earth consciousness. And to me, the earth knows exactly what she's doing. And in terms of the magic of our reproductive system and how it's shared, with the bacteria that needs to be and just the ultimate fascination of it. What fascinates me is to think about the reproductive system of the earth. What does the reproductive system of the earth look like? Now the ayahuasca vine produces a really delicate flower after which it produces a seed that has a singular wing. And when that seed drops from the vine, it helicopters away, not in any reference to Saigon or any conspiracy theory, but just as <laughs> a technology, an aeronautic technology. It creates a spacecraft literally to take its seed far away from the vine so that it will be planted and grow new life in another place. What is the aeronautic spaceship technology of the earth that takes life away from the planet and seeds it into another planet? What does that look like? And what does it take for that to happen? In a human being, it takes the production of brand new hormones that are not produced at all by a female except during pregnancy. So essentially there's this whole new population of cells that overpopulates the human body, the woman who's now going to be a mother in order to produce that baby. A whole new species of cells is produced, they're hormones hormones, but I'm calling them a species of cells to fit into the metaphor as above, so below. Are we the hormones of pregnancy for the earth? And is it our job to create the seed so that we can build the aeronautic spaceship just the same way that the seed of the ayahuasca vine builds its aeronautic spaceship to get a seed of life out away from earth onto another planet? I don't know, but it sounds pretty cool. So to answer your question, how did they figure out ayahuasca by blending these two plants. Well, back to what I earlier said about sensory gating, I think that we have our current sensory gating, our current frequency of what we allow our consciousness to perceive is very functional. And so most likely it wasn't that way. Like our ancestors probably had a, a larger gate. They probably had access to more sensory information, but they lived in a time when they weren't being bombarded with sensory information. So because we're overstimulated, we have to have a natural response to reduce sensory gating or reduce the amount of information that we can process simply because we're, we're being bombarded with too much information or more than we used to be at the very least. So if you were to look at an indigenous culture, which would be very much like our own ancestral cultures, you would find that they weren't being bombarded with sensory information. In fact, like I said, in the case of survival, it was to their advantage to have greater sensory information. And, and actually, if you look at indigenous people, they tend to have larger uh, sensory organs, like their eyes are, are slightly larger, their ears are larger because they needed to have more sensory information in order to survive because the nature of life where they lived in the jungle, for example, wasn't easy, not like it is for us, you know? So we have like smaller ears, we have smaller eyes because, well, what are we running away from? Cars. And so if they were able to see different frequencies already that we're not able to see, then I'm going to guess that they were all, it was much easier for them to have communication with the consciousness or the spirits of the forest. 
of with animals, with trees, with nature as a whole. There was a communication that was built into their sensory ability, and and that did lead to plant medicine, but that it was type uh, a type of intuition. So I think that when someone got sick, they just naturally went through an intuitive guidance to the plant that would heal them. And, and that still happens today. If you've ever had a dog, your dog one day gets a stomach ache or something because you gave it some shitty food or it stole the pizza last night. And then you find that it's going off into the yard seeking out some plant and it wants to eat it because it has still that intuition. But native uh, wild animals certainly have that intuition because they're still connected to the host. You know, our cells also do the same thing in our body. And, and so there was this natural inclination to follow plants. And I think that they started using ayahuasca. And honestly, I think they probably used just the ayahuasca vine and the communication with the ayahuasca vine, ayahuasca vine was enough to, to provide all of the insights that they needed in order to improve their health, to maintain it, and to, to improve their, their well-being. But then the Spanish came, and then there was a lowering of that vibrational frequency. Then there was this kind of oppressive force. There was an energy that literally infected the forest, and that reduced their sensory gating or lowered their vibrational frequency of consciousness to such a degree that it became more difficult for them to connect with that same spirit of ayahuasca. And ayahuasca recognized that that, would that was happening. And ayahuasca said, go find this plant and mix them together. It will give, it a, it will give you the boost you need to maintain the connection that we've had for so many generations, but that these Spanish conquistadors have fucked it all up because of their idiocy and the infection of their low vibration frequency into this forest. And so that's really my take on it. I think that most likely indigenous people were using the ayahuasca vine for thousands of years, but then it became necessary to add the chacruna, which is the DMT containing plant, which ultimately boosts the consciousness to higher frequencies to maintain that connection because of what I perceive to be the infection of low frequency consciousness that was brought by the conquistadors. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So what if I told you it was the fallen angels that told humans to pl pl uh, pluck the plants instead of iboga and ayahuasca 
being the two different plants that these fallen angels are in a dimension that we can't see that are on our level spirit dimension they walk along with us our dead as we were all saying earlier uh that you thought that maybe it was a uh, uh what's it called a um i can't think of the word purgatory that uh we were maybe in purgatory that's because there's a spirit realm around us and the fallen angels they come from a dimension the fallen angels and the nephilim and demons they come from a dimension that we would know as hyperspace that we get there through dmt travel and they're actually our cell phones our black mirrors our tvs our computers they're all in hyperspace right now we're interdimensionally communicating with one another right now uh it's quite literal it's uh you know you can see this in the astral world when you're psychic you see or not just psychic but because of my psychic abilities i can see the blueprint under the world so on that side is beings so these beings they could only communicate verbally through us you know god spoke everything into existence right because sound can travel through why trumpets would be a very biblical thing they blow down the walls because it's all sound it's all frequency so they could speak through the dimension and they spoke to the humans the humans then take the psychedelics and then they can see them and now it's oh shit you are gods you then they start giving them technologies and so on and so forth that's not to say that they aren't helpful today as you were saying obviously i i was a big user uh, at one time of uh, psychedelics so they do have their place like you said uh you know we're bombarded with stuff now and we need something to make us more natural so while at one time maybe they were used against us to bring us into a lower state of being into thinking we were gods and that we were creating our reality when in fact we're just using god's creation to our benefit and we're aligning with things depending on how we move about in our daily lives rather than we're manifesting and making all of this happen and that we are all equal in this thing and that there is no one that is on this earth plane that is higher dimensionally than we are that we are all capable of the same incredible feats i really like where you took that mainly because i do feel like part of like most of the ancient ancient teachings regardless of culture the humility and the selflessness is really central no matter which culture you look at the giving back the being a servant whether it's of God or, well, most of, yeah, God is usually the word that is used regardless of culture as well. And I've talked about how I'm completely familiar with it, even though I'm not necessarily a follower of Christianity specifically or anything. I was also the person that came back from psychedelics and immediately had a connection with religion itself across the board. Forget all the nefarious things that we find when we're looking into the negative side of things. But I immediately realized that they were talking about the same exact things. And so this interesting point brought me to Buddhism because in Buddhism, it was too hardcore to be called Hinduism anymore. And it took away the self entirely. The self didn't exist anymore where it was pure selflessness. And it's just an interesting you know, motif that kind of flows through, whether you come from Emmanuel's perspective or someone else's perspective, it's still those same, we're still saying the same things, regardless. Oh, and just so 
Yeah, and just so everyone knows, I'm not actually a Christian. I, I don't identify with anything outside of myself. I'm just a knower of Jesus Christ is all. Uh, but yeah, I I mean, I studied all of it, you know, in order to have all my understandings and everything. Well, and I think it's important to, so I, I was an atheist before I entered the psychedelic world, but I didn't, yeah, I wasn't, an, no one's an atheist. Everyone just, I think it's a, a garb that you wear because it's cool, at least from this generation. And I mean, at least I believed it for a little while and I had all my scientific heroes suddenly becoming very popular everywhere. Um, you know, being these popular atheists ripping apart Christianity and everything, but psychedelics kind of made me realize that Jesus was like the ultimate archetype, regardless of how, how deep you go into his story or not. It's an archetype that was inside here. And I mm -hmm. immediately recognize why people come out of this experience and identify with Jesus because it's like I saw Jesus's story as every one of our stories somehow. Yeah, we are all Jesus. It's our conscience. That's what speaks to us. That's Jesus. Jesus just lived through his conscience. That's and no one else was ever able to do that. Uh, maybe since they, they have, but that is exactly what Jesus did versus everyone else. You live by your conscience and you just, you really, you be a good person. And that includes stopping bad things that are happening. And there, there are bad things that happen. And if you actively participate in them, then, uh, you know, stopping it, then that's what your conscience wants rather than just, you know, allow things to be. That's the only real difference. Hey, uh, Andre Mason. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I feel like um, Jesus is, um, just to me anyway, is basically kind of uh, heart-centeredness. That's that's what I equate it to. That's, it, that feels right to me. So we, like we could that. put any, any words, you know, to that feeling here. You know, I it would... could be Jesus, it could be chair, you know, it could be cup, whatever, you know. <laughs> He's <laughs> but, green uh, in the astral world too, you know, the green heart yeah, chakra. Exactly. That's what he is. <laughs> Exactly. It's just, it's, I feel like it's just that heart centeredness. Um, so I wanted to also uh, kind of pedal back into the, the whole uh, parasite thing. And um, maybe I'm, I'm not correct, but I feel like, Emmanuel, maybe you were talking about parasites being uh, inorganic things. Because, like, for me, like the parasites that are the problem, um, they, are, it, they are artificial intelligence. They are um, a, I guess, consciousness, let's call it, but it's a consciousness that, that is not connected to God, right? Uh, therefore, cannot create. So that, to me, what a parasite is. Yeah, There's I obviously agree. also organic parasites, completely different story, but I feel like other things tie into that where parasites can be used by these, I'm going to call them archons. Mm -hmm. but that's a whole different other fucking subject very fast. which is why they need to create in order to impede the consciousness because they're not able to tap into they the god to, consciousness themselves and see, so they all, need us to create, do it but they have to, they have to take over and i feel like the way that they take over is when us humans let's say right if we make decisions like lying stealing cheating um you know all the bad bad shit right so like we kind of disconnect from God more and more and more. And therefore, I'm going to call them again, archons are able to kind of 
take over more and more and more. And that because I think humans, and I heard somebody say this, and I completely agree, are not meant to be narcissists, psychopaths. I feel like there is a divorce from God, right? Um, there's some kind of divorce, and these archons, this artificial artificial intelligence is able to look more and more and more take over. That's yeah, that's that's Satan. What you were describing is Satan. Toxicity. Exactly. And this whole Satanism agenda, not going into that, but yes, exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy to think, but the Bible is so real that it is yes. God versus Satan. I mean, yeah. it's all there, everything. I mean, you know, it's crazy. People people are like, oh my God, AI, uh, you know, we have to worry about AI, it's gonna take over. They don't understand that this 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 world is infiltrated by AI for for I don't know how many millennia, millennia you know? The to moon. Me, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, that's another thing, right? Moon's not really the Death Star. My understanding is that's like a whole satellite, but I what I'm hearing is that connection has been severed. The whole, you know, bad vibes from the from the satellite that's orbiting. But that's again a whole different other subject. But yeah, this this all of this is so vast and uh, holy it crap! It is. It is because <laughs> when you guys are telling these stories, I'm hearing more as above, so below. I'm I'm feeling like if you have if we have collective consciousness, then we must also have a collective ego. And mm. I would say our shadow self would be representative of all these things we fear, including these tech gods and and you know whatever you can look at the movie fern gully it's that same force right anything that's impeding on nature and natural processes is the same story since the beginning of time and it could be jesus's story it's the hero with a thousand faces am i right it's it's that guy that it's the the archetype of what we're all doing which is thinking for ourselves rather than accepting what we're kind of being shown as should be or what, what's normal or something right because our conscience tells us you know this ain't right i gotta mm. do something about this i gotta start my podcast i gotta <laughs> start connecting different people i gotta take people on ayahuasca retreats you know we, we gotta do something to change it it's our consciousness speaking to us yeah that's, that's really what it is healers yeah yeah, yeah. god God has destined us for big things and we're all just doing it by just quieting the mind and connecting with something much larger than ourselves because we realize that this world is something of itself and we just naturally, we want to sin. We're born sinners, as Christians will say, because our body wants to participate in all these things that are no good for us. And we're like, oh, no, get the coke away from me. Get those hookers away from me. <laughs> you know, because it just leads down this path that you're at the end of the day, you, you're miserable and you hate yourself. And, and you don't have the connection to God that what happens is when you do psychedelics, for example, and you have this immediate connection to something so much larger and you're like more i want more of that how do i get more and uh you know it's just the refining process really is just being a good person and listen yeah. to your conscience yeah um i wanted to to i forgot to mention it when i was uh, last time i spoke um this whole matrix thing uh, so again, the, for like, I don't know how, however long, right, this, this AI has been in control. There's an overlay over our natural, 
let's say, let's call it God frequency, right? There's a God frequency matrix, the nature, that's a mm -hmm. God frequency. And there's the AI that came in and there's an overlay of the AI matrix over our natural matrix. So it's like, we're doing these medicines, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the, the nature, like, you know, we're seeing deeper, you know, past the AI matrix and the media, the, everything, you know, the, you know, the TV, the news, everything, that's all, call it satanic, call it the, you know, AI, the matrix to me is the same thing. And by, when I say matrix, I mean the AI matrix, mm -hmm. but we are slowly waking up little by little, the little sparks keep expanding and information keeps passing slowly. Yeah, guys, how long will it be when there's, you know, this is mainstream? <laughs> when it's right, right. Yeah. Andre, do you, do you, you want to jump in? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, um, you know, I, on my five grams and silent darkness journey, I was really comparing and contrasting unity and duality, and this is coming into the forefront of this conversation. I feel like, of like, do you feel like? you know, we're inherently just trying to find balance in the polarities. And like, we have to have both to exist within that middle ground balance between the two. Like we all have like these good and evil parts of ourselves. Yeah, we can overcome the evil, but we're still going to have to confront that every day that passes of where it's going to come back up. Or are we going to make the same decision, decision or fall short? Like, are we capable of living in this utopian dream that we're, we all want, like world peace and these things? Like, is that infallible? Like, is it even possible? Like, I think what are your guys' thoughts on this? Yeah, I'll I, say that, can I, sorry. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I'll say that duality doesn't have to actually exist. It does now for us because we went through it. These parasites got to us when we were kids and growing up, we had all these traumas, our parents, our grandparents, great-grandparents, the collective, so on and so forth, since the AI took over, or maybe even before that, when uh, it was still consciousness versus consciousness, maybe at one time. But what has happened since is we are just influenced by negativity over and over. So our DNA, as it has been being strung for thousands and thousands of years, every bad decision you make now you're uh, putting on the future version of yourself which comes in the form of ancestors and uh, and your heritage so you're setting up uh, family curses or whatnot by doing bad decisions making bad decisions now so if you're a baby and you're just born and you get smacked on the butt and you start crying you didn't need to know joy and happiness to know that that hurts and that's painful so this whole thing of duality needs to exist it does for us and uh, those who came before us because we have been influenced and we have gotten to this point. But if you start from a blank slate, it does not need to exist. And there was once a time where there was a thing of the uh, Garden of Eden. Um, and maybe only two people, only we heard of two people. Maybe it's a whole thing. Maybe it's actually the kingdom of heaven. And that's where everybody goes to be in love all, all the time you know who knows what it actually is but there it definitely has its uh, place and it, i believe it is very reasonable to get there because uh, i i know that there is a plan in place by the collective 
that we are going to help each other out and we're we all really want to do this thing together so it's gonna happen i don't know when but it's gonna mason what's what's going on man what what are some of your thoughts on the stuff we're getting into right now man i'm just i've just been taking all this in and like listening to like what each of you guys have been saying and it's just like i'm uh, it's it's connected so much to me like what you were saying about the russian dolls like i lit up when you said that and like, i saw that and uh <laughs> carlos was talking about the uh what he called it the like the filter that we have um and, and i just i just kept thinking about my first experience with with psychedelics it really it, it was it was like like the russian doll like example is perfect because like it started peeling off layers of what I thought was me, what I thought was like, you know, like everything that made my reality. And it just kind of peeled off layers. And I remember like trying to describe it to other people and I couldn't even find words, but it was just like, I remember at some point just feeling like I just completely stepped out of myself. Like it was a suit. And like, it was just amazing when I realized, you know, like not only do the psychedelics remove like the filters, it opens up so that we can experience more. It also takes away more of us or what we consider to be us if that makes sense and like as I'm peeling off these layers like you know metaphorically I'm like looking at them I'm like this isn't me this isn't me and like that reminded me of what you were saying at the beginning about like uh about music and like what you uh, I think somebody said something about like music they wanted to listen to and I was just like I wanted to listen to all this music and watch all these videos and like check out all this stuff. And then then I realized none of that stuff mattered. Like it was just, it's not even me. And like, that was what was so profound about psychedelics for me is realizing, wow, like my perception of me, like, is just, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, like my, like, you know, like all the constructs of what I think is me, it just stripped it all away from me. And it was just like the Russian dolls. And when you strip everything away, then you realize like, wow, there's nothing left except, me the experiencer just like this just the being state you know and that was what was so profound for me and yeah. um i was listening to everybody like i was just like wow like, I, I could see all these like like stories that were so different but like it all connected you know like for me like based on my experience like I, like it was just i was like wow like this all resonates so much even though it's completely different perspectives from everybody yeah the russian doll analogy has always been something I, i've i've always used it because with my experience i this is way out there but i i think someone mentioned kind of understanding what it felt like to be god and mm-hmm. i had that experience as well once all the layers were peeled off that observation was still there but no one else was and that was when right. i had like this beautiful profound moment where i had like this the most intense hug I've ever felt in my life. And there was a voice that sounded like mine, at least from my perspective, but maybe that goes back to what Carlos says about, we always take from our memory. We always build with structures that we already have in our heads. So the voice was mine. The self that was talking at me was, was me in this, you know, from my limited perspective, but it said, everything always was okay. Everything always is okay. And everything always will be okay. And it was just this unbelievable reassurance that was undeniable. But at the same time, I also had this experience of this desperately lonely God that didn't know, it almost felt like it was desperately trying to make his thoughts real. 
because if he could do that, he wouldn't be alone anymore. If that makes any sense, let's go way down the rabbit hole. (laughs) I guess we'll just like, there's so many things we could point to. And I, of course, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's a lot of references (laughs) in movies about like, you know, creating things around the, the main character that aren't real. And he realizes it at the end that, oh, I made all of that up. And it kind of feels like that's being echoed or that's what's being echoed in film. It's that experience in psychedelics where it's like, maybe God, this the, the totality is trying to push through the hypothetical. Because we always say that science, our most pressing science right now is saying that the physical isn't real or it's more vibratory than anything else. It's not physical in the sense that we know it. Maybe God is tired of experiencing, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like gross physical reality has a certain quality to it. And maybe the totality wants to try to make all of his thoughts real or something. I don't know. I'm going way down the rabbit hole, but if, if I'm pinging off of anybody's thought patterns, please pick it up. You know, well, I, I think that, oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Brandon. No, 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 please, please, please. I think that we, we do have like some pretty good explanations in science and, and one of them's super basic. And I know that we've been like talking about the Trinity. I'm like obsessed with the Trinity, although I call it the triad, but um, sometimes I think I called it the Trinity actually on your show, Brandon, but, um, but yeah, like the basic, the basic Trinity of, uh, of matter, you know, you've got gas and liquid and, and solid. And so like what we call physical reality. And like, I think our paradigm is, is, material focused meaning like it's focused on on the the physical matter but that we know uh, uh if we understand water is just low frequency water or low frequency energy really and so matter everything that we think of as real is low frequency energy but then we have the liquid which is like medium frequency energy. And to me, that is our emotions. And then we have gas, the high frequency energy. And to me, that is our mind. That is the thoughts. And and that coincides with that trinity I described earlier, the neural network of the brain, the neural network of the heart, and the neural network of the gut and how they relate to our body and our emotions and our thoughts and our mind. And, And that to me is like not a crazy theory it's kind of like like that's the science we all learned you know like there are three states of matter to me there are three states of consciousness we even recognize three states of brainwave activity we call them alpha beta and theta i mean yes there's gamma maybe that could be like the the outlier of the trinity or the spirit in that case but but right, the, 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 three, the three states of consciousness, and to me, the three states of consciousness are ideas, beliefs, and truths. Uh, but they're all the same. They're just different frequencies uh, in the sense that an idea is like the gas state. They like float, they come by, they, they're easy to let go. They don't have weight, but a belief, something that we feel emotion to 
then that we give that more weight. They flow more like liquid. They can be go back to the realm of idea, but they can also be solidified into a truth if we believe them to such a degree, at which point we manifest them as a part of ourselves. They become a part of our body. And if you have a truth in your body that is detrimental to your well-being, then that can cause an illness, that can cause disease, disease. And so the idea would be that psychedelics by allowing us that amplified state of awareness, give us the ability to transform solid state personal truths back into the realm of emotions and ultimately into the, into the realm of ideas so that they can be floating away, you know, that we can let go of them. And then likewise, we can take an idea that we know to be beneficial to us and we can, uh, we can condense it with our emotions and we can solidify it as a new personal truth that becomes a part of the story that becomes what we refer to that allows us to respond differently to our future experiences. And that to me is like in a nutshell, what the healing experience is, but I kind of love like what's happening, at least how I'm perceiving it, which is that we're all telling our stories, which we're all telling like our beliefs and our personal truths. And that's what we live by. And, it's kind of like when you go to the movie store, uh, to the video store, we shit, we don't do that anymore. But when you go <laughs> on to Netflix and you choose like which movie you want and what story resonates with you. And some of us want to watch a horror film and some want to watch a thriller and some want a suspense film and some want a documentary and whatever. Like That's what we do. We write our own stories. We're the director, we're the producer. We get to star in it too. And, and in that way, we, we get to like, make the truth our own reality you know and all i was going to say to tack on to that was is that it does feel like we're all here kind of meeting up you know if you picture god or this entity or whatever the space is the high picture consciousness is like a nintendo 64 and all the little game cartridges that go into it are just different options for experience right and so it feels like to what you said this is exactly what i was going to say is that all of us here sitting here now it feels like we're all in this game that we chose to play together. We're like at a sleepover in some other dimension. <laughs> and yeah. We're all playing this game and we've all gotten to this point in this game called life where we've had so many fucking awesome experiences that we all kind of meet up every now and then and tell each other about it. Almost like a, like a, I don't know, like a cafe or like a midway point. Like we all kind of meet up and we go, dude, check this shit out. And we go, man, I had this crazy experience. And did you know that I drove my car to a river and almost died and only survived because my window was open? <laughs> like I've had the craziest time. So maybe they, this is what this feels like. As we're talking about this, I'm just so proud of all of us, all of you guys. Everyone sitting here has had these incredible ideas. You all are incredibly insightful. You, you're just out here doing it. And this is kind of what I feel about this game that we're in anyway. And I've had this feeling lately that all the shit, all the crap, it's all inversions of reality. You look at the medical system. Don't get me started on politics. People still don't think it's fucking scripted and wrestling. And, you know, you look at all of these other things. They're so ridiculous. They're so in your face that, of course, people like us would have figured this out because this is our game. We chose to play it. It's on medium mode or some shit. You know, the dummies stick <laughs> out. The, the choices you don't want to, the turns you don't want to take, the choices you don't want to make stick out like a sore thumb. It's like, hey, do you want this thing and you want to come do this bullshit? no thanks i'm cool i'm gonna go have psychedelics and talk to my friends 
And it's like, these things are just options here, right? For this game. But this is what it feels like. It feels like we're all in this dope adventure. We're all hanging out. We all chose to go do this, you know, because we're all at Timmy's sleepover in the blurb blurb dimension. And we're hanging out, having this fun game that we're playing. And we're all meeting up at this point in it before, you know, we carry on and we'll probably meet up again. But I just dig this metaphor, man. That's the feeling I got hearing everyone's experiences on here. I just dig this. I got to throw it in with Emmanuel. Like I know Emmanuel, you've been talking about Jesus and God. And um, I I think that we probably would have a different definition of God at the very least. But with Jesus for me, like, of course, you know, surprise, Jesus is a plant doctor. You know, he he like he took uh, olive oil and he mixed it with four other plants and he used to bathe people in that, you know, like I run a healing program at a retreat center in the Amazon rainforest. And what do we do? We take five plants, we call them the Cinco Medicos, we blend them all together and we bathe people in them. And that's what fucking Jesus did to me, you know? So like, <laughs> I, I like my, like, guess what? You know, like my story, Jesus is a plant doctor. And uh, you know, I don't think that's a big surprise. You know, yeah. that could be the game we're playing. And the, on the cartridge is just a picture of Jesus with a machine gun riding a velociraptor. And that's like, the game <laughs> here, but you discover him one. in your own way and you figure out how you relate to this archetype in your own way. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, I think it's important to like, if you guys are familiar with some of Manly P. Hall's like deeper work, he really believed that the idea that you can have this concept that something like Jesus or Buddha or even more far out characters are archetypes. But then over here, you have the idea that these, this is part of our physical history or even our spiritual history, that these ideas shouldn't be looked at as just individual and random, that this is possibly more of that Trinity idea that all of this is real. It just depends on what what part of the scale and variance you're looking at, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, this is going to sound cool. One time when I was on mushrooms, <laughs> or was it at, it was liquid acid. There was a lot physically going on and visually going on and uh, cognitively where I felt like I was experiencing thousands of years passed by and my existence had turned into a stone long ago, all this crazy stuff. And then out of the corner of my eye, just this dazzling little light, just dancing off the corner of my eye. And I was like, huh, what is that? And I took my psychedelic vision and kind of focused in right there. And eventually I figured out, oh, and it suddenly turned out to be the room I was in and my friends sitting there watching my other friend play guitar. So my entire normal mode existence suddenly was just, just right here what the hell was i experiencing right so it's always that <laughs> fractal nature to me I, I love that concept and that that analogy that's why it works that's yeah. tight. I, I, like carlos i just want to say like i'm i'm really not a christian i've never went to church so my idea of jesus as god <laughs> i've found out through my psychedelic experiences as well as my psychic experiences i mean it's uh, the things that I've been revealed, I tried debunking Jesus as God, and it turns out you can't. Uh, so that's how I've come to realize Jesus is God. But I agree with everything that you've been saying, and especially the Trinity. You guys have been having the uh, 
the theme of the Trinity going on, you know, we're the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We are the higher self, which is the Holy Spirit. We are the son or the daughter, which is the body. And we are the connection, the spark that connects us to here. And uh, you know the meme that goes around and says, like, uh, I just, you know, like someone who's waking up, they're like, like, I just realized I had a bad thought. And then I realized that I had that thought that had that thought. And so which one <laughs> yes. am I? And it's like, you're all three all at once. And it's almost impossible to describe. So we call it a trinity and we break it down to the three. So you can understand what you're doing on so many different levels, but you're really only one, but it's three, you know, uh, that's in that awesome. way. <laughs> I love that. I love how mm. we can make these connections. And I, I knew that the psychedelic experience was the best topic to get it's we're all kind of this the psychedelics are our own shared vr world kind of you know it really is that way where it's unlimited possibilities just like meta is advertising but it's oh not my fake. goodness stop <laughs> <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like let me pull oh this up real quick because i thought this was that's that humanism that's thing they're trying to get you one. stuck in Check infinity Ready listen to one? this no, listen to this interesting description Why? imagine having telepathic conversations with loved ones instantaneously accessing superhuman computational power playing back memories and dreams of immersing yourself in every sense you possess into a virtual entertainment experience but I'm i like, do that now yeah right <laughs> in my meditate like i do this <laughs> wait are you talking about life and living it just yeah. regularly wow yeah Whoops. that's what i'm saying i became super human abilities from waking up super rapidly you know, yeah. it, was, it just was i guess destined to be you know but yeah they're all real abilities that we all have you know if you guys don't have them yet you're just you know it's waiting for you when you're ready hell yeah man and i want psychometry yeah. can i have that one please yeah, what is it? by all means take it psychometry <laughs> i i want i want a teleportation that's like my favorite and then psychometry psychometry have you ever heard of that that's where you you can no. know the history of an object when you touch it oh so you okay. think about like you know you think your Pretty girl's cool. lying <laughs> you just find out <laughs> but also you but also you do like the pyramids and shit like any object any anything you can experience the culture whatever you know you take yourself there and you know all of the information about the discover object. all of tartaria now Dude, about, like, hey. a tree. go over to devil's <laughs> tower and be like what's up avatar was a documentary <laughs> dude <laughs> that brings it to um a previous roundtable in this series where um bruce fenton was a guest and bruce fenton has some very interesting stories about some artifacts and things like that where there's memory attached to it and it's it's a whole thing but he was on the um alien contact episode which every one of these of course this one but the paranormal roundtable the near-death experience roundtable and and the uh the et encounter one we all kind of trailed off into psychedelics regardless it all kind of went that way <laughs> it's all connected man yeah. what, what if uh jesus is a mushroom now we're uh, well Allegro, you can right? meet him that they way yeah, him in the cross. for sure like I, well, I, I just heard uh amanita muscaria being described uh as like so you mix it and uh into like a tea and it it looks like uh blood so it's like this blood uh mixture and then you have the body the mushroom so you eat the mushroom the body and then you eat the or you drink the blood which is the mushroom tea 
in a concoction. Andre, oh, wow. which you I found down fascinating. The, Andre, have you hopped down the rabbit hole with Amanita Muscari and uh, Christmas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, dude, that would change your damn life. I love that. I love right. that. <laughs> yeah, I love oh, that dude. because that's a that's a sense. it's a great example of how these things exist on on scale and variance where like right. it's different so many parts things of once. the spiral because in history you know i could point to finnish mythology and things like that and show a very legit very interesting uh origin story perhaps to santa claus and all that still connected to psychedelics but there's two very different psychedelic christmas stories there's the mythology one where the shaman was going village to village ringing the bell because everyone had their doors locked because it was freezing during the winter time and he was delivering the medicine the presence the 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 amanita muscaria in some cases but then i've also heard that it's more metaphorical where the christmas tree is the typical tree where the amanita muscaria grows which it's like presence under the tree reindeer are known to consume these so they're already flying right <laughs> and even santa claus is the same colors as this so it's it's interesting these exist on it's a historical level but also this kind of comical kind of anecdotal spiritual level and that's how paul knew jesus better than jesus's own disciples because he met him on a uh, metaphysical level so he was speaking to him directly he's like oh no you guys are wrong i'm gonna rewrite this i'm gonna rewrite this that's all paul was doing it was through mushrooms that yeah. it happened santa you know, was also tartarian <laughs> <laughs> it's tartarian technology his slay <laughs> Plants, I want to know more about Tartaria. What's going on? Well, that is a we other definitely don't, so have time. Time. we don't have time. I don't know where to listen Andy, to. shut it down. Andy, oh, shut oh, it down. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Okay, <laughs> so I'll tie it all in. Sorry for real information. <laughs> so what if Tartaria existed and it was actually uh, maybe the millennial kingdom of Christ, the thousand-year reign, actually <laughs> happened? You need to no, add there's it. a lot of evidence for it. Uh, that it that it's very possible that we're living in the time where Satan is loosed on the earth, and the Carrington event in 1859 is the event in which Natasha was talking about, where the AI came in and overlaid our world. It burned it down in the 1800s so that it could overlay its thing in our world, and that is uh, that is uh, where we reside. Cut it, I Andy. That's that the trailer for your fifth one that you got to do, which is on alternative history. That's your trailer. Oh, dude, That's it. Yes. Do your fifth one. Do one more on alternative history. We'll get Max six on. hour live stream. See, that yeah. one doesn't belong in this series, but it will be coming. We have to do an alternative history one. But yeah. that, uh, in a way, let's tie it back in because once again, we're talking about our multiple perspectives, our different versions of things, and maybe that is now showing itself like everything else else has been a mirror it's always a mirror this world now we're we're literally seeing how confused we are about our past and what does the individual go through during psychotherapy they regress back to all these problems or these fears from their past that need to be understood from an adult perspective now so that they can be released and it feels like we're doing that on a mass scale I mean, history is suddenly not history. Left is up is down. It's it's crazy. And yeah, it's an in inversion. 
Graham Hancock has been telling me for decades that shit just keeps getting older. And now people are saying, nope, they're adding history in and everything's compressed. And it's all of it. it's so all of these things are seeming to bottleneck possibilities. That's it. It's just possible. This is why consensus reality is insane to me because there are evidence for all of these things. You could talk to a million people that love the flat earth and they can tell you a bunch of dope shit about it. You can talk to other people that say that they went to uh, wherever. And so there's a bunch of things that go on here that are complete. You know, the, the dichotomy goes deep into provable things. You've seen even lately, we won't get conspiratorial with this, but this I found fucking fascinating is that people are having, and this occurs in the UFO phenomena. We know this. There's two people standing there. One person sees it. The other person does not. Like Carlos mentioned earlier, the filter. But also maybe there's a filter to have to do with different experiences happening in actual physical geography for two different people in the same exact place. There's two videos that I saw come out from the Afghanistan thing. Again, this is surface level shit. We're not going to dive into it. And then from Australia as well, one street, the cafe sign, chairs, everything getting mobbed and ran over, gunshots in the background, explosions and shit going on. Same exact time of day, same exact street, people sitting there having coffee, live streamed at roughly the same exact time. Two completely different scenarios in the same exact geographical location in the time we're living in now. Same thing also happened in Australia, same story, riots happening or police control, whatever in a street, same landmarks could be visible in both videos, both same timestamp, same day, same time of day, two completely different experiences. Oh, it's hyperspace, bro. It's the age of deception. That's it's, what I'm um, saying. It's all, it's all looking there. through our screens. Anything through our screens could be our reality or it could be the exact inverse of our reality. You know, it is either one or the other, uh, but it is always a deception no matter what it is we can believe whatever we want we have mountains of evidence as you were just saying for whatever it's the age of deception that's because satan is loosed on the earth he has deceived all of the nations there's no factual anything in the world right now you know we're questioning literally everything and rightfully so because it's all questionable it's all it's also interesting that the inversion goes beyond like any sort of human made cabal or anything because like our eyes the way that we perceive light and we take in images are upside down and then they the brain has to turn them another way that just seems weird to me but i'm no scientist you know well also know. every time you are and every time it seems inverted to me <laughs> every time light hits your eye also uh, it's filtered through your frontal cortex so you you have an opinion about it, you interpret it before you actually see the data that comes in. So it actually is kind of based on, it's a still just a projection of what you want to see anyway. It's created and observed by you, which we know in quantum physics, if you believe that, then it changes the way that you input that data. So, I mean, even to that point, you're filtering things before the raw data gets to you. You've got a, you know, a thought about Which can it. be manipulated and tainted by your uh, nature your versus nurture type of upbringing. Yeah, absolutely. Anything, your paradigm, just your experiences and beliefs. That's all your paradigm is yes. anyway. So you, whatever your paradigm is, is how you filter, filter your world. Again, consensus reality is over, guys. I think we've just <laughs> And maybe psychedelics, uh, psychedelics can be used to kind of, sh you know, realign us once again. It, it seems like uh, I, I haven't taken them in years and I probably would benefit even though I'm fearful right now. You know, it's like you get older, the ego builds up more and more and you got to tear it back down again, you know, and I'm trying to do that sans the chemicals, but um, I, I'm sure Carlos would tell me a different story that 
that the ayahuasca is is beneficial in ways that perhaps other ways are are less or or maybe just not as intense so not as intentional maybe well i would first want to point out that like every one of our ancestors like regardless of what our heritage is what our race is or whatever like all of our ancestors had some type of psychedelic use as the core of their what you could call religious beliefs but definitely at the core of their medicine their healing traditions were all centered around the use of some type of psychotropic substance and and the bible you know has mana the mushrooms that grew from the ground that most likely moses ate when he coincidentally talked to a burning bush that told him the 10 commandments there was the illusions the the use of ergot root and that like ridiculously long and secret like um pilgrimage type of ceremony where you met the goddess which is ergot the precursor to lsd which is most likely what gave birth to the whole ideologies and, and writings of christianity you have uh, soma which was probably the the core of hindu pre-buddhist uh shamanism using um psilocybin cubensis mushrooms according to terence mckenna you've got the fly garrick which you mentioned already you know like we've had the influence of psychedelics in our life, of course, peyote and the Native Americans and ayahuasca, San Pedro, and you know the whole collection. Somebody even mentioned the the baby woodrose seeds and the and the morning glory. Like there's a plethora of psychedelics throughout our ancestry, and there is clearly a reason why we had an affinity towards them. And to me, it was because they gave us that advantage in increasing our sensory information access, and. And so my take on it, because I work still with indigenous people, is very like centric to what I would call the original purpose for taking them, which was, I think, healing. You know, it was and, and that healing was always in combination or in collaboration with other ele elements of nature, like taking other plant remedies. The psychedelic would often give us the insight that would allow us to know what plant would heal our specifics. It wasn't necessarily the psychedelic itself, like ayahuasca doesn't necessarily heal all of your illnesses, but it might give the shaman insights into what other plant medicines would provide the healing or bring about the, re the removal of the obstacles to allow the healing to take place on their own so i would go back to my feeling that the earth is a singular being that is a belief that i definitely hold and it is a part of my personal story and that's why i guess i i i like having that as my personal story because i don't worry about things you know like i know that the the wisdom of the earth if i'm at a cell level you know, then my consciousness is one fifty trillionth of the consciousness of the earth. That's just if I were to to take my cellular count into account in, in that calculation. Actually, it's like a number I can't say because I don't know math well enough to know how high those numbers are. But it is minuscule compared to the consciousness and wisdom of the earth. And for me to like think that I've got it figured out, you know, like, oh, the it's I, I know what's happening here. Like, fuck no, you know, but I know the earth does. And like, because of that, 
I don't like worry that much. Like I know the earth's got it. I, I love to play with the idea of what those stories are and, and to have fun. And, and to me, that is, I hope like what we're doing, like we're kind of playing around with these ideas and these stories basically because they're entertaining for us, you know, like that's what we enjoy to do in our lives. At least that's what I like to do is, is to think about these stories. But ultimately if there are truths in those stories, then my best recommendation would be make sure those truths are beneficial to you in your life. You know, if you have truths in your story that are actually causing you suffering, then fuck, take some psychedelics and revisit those so that you can transform them into beneficial truths that help you to feel joy and love in your life more often or whatever those goals are. I think generally those are our goals to feel satisfaction and contentment with our lives, feel love and, and feel in harmony and balance and healthy. But that to me is always like what I view psychedelics as doing. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't take psychedelics recreationally. I take them like with a purpose and, and that goes back to intention. And I love that uh, Roman is like on the screen in front of me because he's the one that, that brought intention into the conversation. Um, I think it's like a, a huge point when I do a healing retreat, I offer preparation counseling so that intention can be more well-defined, more well-developed. And then I offer integration counseling so that we can take those lessons and those realizations, those transformed truths and expand them out into our lives so that they do become the replacement of detrimental references so that we have beneficial references leading us forward in our life. But Ultimately, I think that we are civilized human beings because of psychedelics. Like, I think that the difference of why we became the spectacular creatures that we are is because we decided to eat mushrooms one day, you know, like I, that's my feeling the the stoned ape theory of Terrence McKenna. I definitely love that theory, but it also kind of has archaeological and anthropological evidence to back it up so i'm a big fan of, of that but again like i think and i can see right now there's a psychedelic therapy movement exploding psychedelic renaissance is happening and ayahuasca is like a well-known word word now which is kind of insane to me um, because 18 years ago i moved to the amazon rainforest and not a lot of people knew that what ayahuasca was but now everybody knows what ayahuasca is and to me, that's not by accident. You know, I think that the earth is sending psychedelics back into the consciousness of human beings as a way to like speak to human beings again, to like kind of take care of whatever that is. And honestly, what I think that is, is that we're witnessing the labor pains of the earth as the earth gives birth to a seed in a spaceship to fly to another planet and start life on another planet. And I think that's the purpose of human life. And, and I have fun thinking that story, but I also don't get too aggravated about it. I, I'm not a big fan of the idea that Satan is on the earth and like fucking shit up or, or that there's some war between the two of us. There's a lot of shit going on in my body too. And cells are always dying. And, and there's like, tons of shit that I don't really understand but I, I always know that like my body's doing what it needs to do and you know lions are fucking killing gazelles and shit and like you know nobody ever thinks that's some weird evil versus good shit you people know, are just, eating children 
Yeah, right. People, <laughs> like people for real. You don't think that's <laughs> right. evil? Like Dog, dogs, right? Dogs eating their own children. Animals. No, I'm eating talking their about humans. Babies. Humans. And, right, eating right. Children. Like that's real. Right, well, right. They're raping children and murdering children to drink their blood. Like that is real shit. I understand, man, <laughs> and that's why, like, I for me, like to refer back to the earth as like taking it all into and 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 having it under control, you know, and and also like to extend that out to the universe and extend that out to God, like God knows exactly what like God's doing. You know, it just makes me feel better. Like I, I'm not gonna get all agitated about it. Obviously, if I see something happen, I'm gonna act. You know, I'm gonna step in and do what I can, and and I made my life trying to do the best I can to help people too. But again, like the point I guess I'm trying to say is one, psychedelics are clearly an important part of human civilization. It may be the key to what civilized us to get us to a point of consciousness where we can sit around here. And maybe psychedelics were actually what allowed us to have the intelligence to create all of the technological devices that we're using, but also maybe at the same time blaming for our own destruction and things of that nature. And maybe psychedelics are also the salvation coming to like bring us back into harmony with the earth, which I would tie into my like personal story of the labor pains of earth and, and the witnessing of the birth of a new life on another planet as the recovery period you know like on a cellular level when a mother does give birth a whole new set of hormones is produced a whole new set of of uh, cells come in and they bring back the recovery of of the of the human away from like the weirdness that looked perhaps like it was going in the wrong direction uh but but of course was part of the birth process and now now the the, the mother comes back into like the health that they had for for a long time before the birth and that's kind of like how I see some humans are like environmental activists because that's like their role. They're going to be like bringing about the recovery. But there's also like people that we might think of as narcissists like Elon Musk and fucking Bezos or whatever. And, and they're billionaires and, and we hate them, but yet they're building spaceships and they're like, you know, so I like, I don't know. I'm just trying to make it all fit. But I do think it's fun. And I do think that psychedelics allow us to at least recognize that we're telling stories. And once you recognize that you're telling the story, then you do get a chance to play a more active role in how you tell it. Right, but I just want to jump in because, uh, you know, what you're saying, Emmanuel, I'm not trying to like go no, 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 against cool. I just you and our ideas. I'm just sharing my I idea. Just I love say your that idea. The reason why I believe so strongly that Satan's loose on the earth is because that stuff's happening. Because I believe, like you said, that God has a plan and the earth has a plan. And that plan has been known for some time. And it's actually because satan is on the earth and god has known this and god has planned for it with us and uh you know you may not want to think that there's a spiritual battle but every morning when i meditate i literally battle things and you know psychedelics are cool and all but there are also traps that get you stuck in the astral realms as i was saying i mean it's a real thing you can laugh but psychedelics are very i mean have you ever taken lsd and had your brain to the point that it's uh, swollen and you can feel what it feels like for someone who uh, might be schizophrenic, that they can't quite grasp reality because their brain is swollen. That's what psychedelics do to us. You know, uh, they're great and all, but they're very dangerous. So to say I that I used to think at one time that they could save the world, but when I figured out that I could be, I could do all those things without doing uh, anything, with just breathing, 
then I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll put the psychedelics down because I can do all this healing without any of that. So, you know, that's, um, that's where I come respect, from. You have a, a quite a large resume and you've done, you know, as you mentioned. Oh, like, I know. Like and every, I've learned it since. Yeah. So it's, I, I mean, for any of us to kind of like resonate with that is tough. I mean, not, I don't oh, think. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I know. I've been through it. Say they the only reason quite as much as you have. So I do respect your, your position, but I think what we're talking about here is subjective in its nature, you know, and that's kind of the point we're touching on many times in this conversation. So the severity of your experience, while true, might not be true to everyone's experience just because of set setting and you know, the circumstances of our lives and our karma. And I think that's another oh, point that was really touched on. But, you know, you do offer some really awesome services as a healer. So I'm sure you experience that, you know, in your life, you know, there's certain people that gravitate towards you. who are like, wow, okay, this message is exactly what I need. I got to reach out to Emmanuel Kingman, you know, whereas somebody else might be like, dude, I'm going to see Carlos down there in Peru and, and figure out what this is. Well, I'm not saying was. there's anything specifically know. wrong with using them. I, like I said many times throughout this, like I, I've used them and I see that they have great, uh, they are great tools to use, but uh, to say like that's the, what's going to heal the world rather than us take responsibility for what we've done and change things. Uh, I just, I think well, so, that it's us changing things is going to do it. Let me take it right. So like I'm, and we can just completely not go into this topic individually, but I would say that the person shoots someone, the gun doesn't do it. Right. So we all, we're calling them tools. I would, I like that interpretation. I've often heard one of my favorite bands from back in the day, their band name is tool because they had these kinds of experiences and, but they also to just to re remain in the middle here, it's that uh, they often said, and I, I like this, that it's good to go there with the psychedelics and then maybe spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get back there without them. So I think both pathways are very valid. And I think, I think uh, we kind of got a little veered off topic, but just in the sense that we're all sharing our own different perspectives and we're all kind of saying that all these perspectives are, are valid. And I think that's the most important thing to take away from this. And I do want to kind of wrap it up a little bit. I know that not everybody got tons of time to talk and I hope, I hope this has been beneficial and, and a positive experience for you guys, but I'd like to, to kind of start wrapping it up and I love uh, it. Yeah, and just uh, any closing thoughts from uh, from anybody? I was just going to compliment psychedelics for being both. It's the thing that takes you to the highest realms ever and makes you talk about like what you do about the dolls thing. I love that, man, because lately I've been having the visualization that, like if you're standing here and we are on like a ball or whatever, we'll go with that model. And you look out, what you're really looking at, if you keep looking out, it's just another you. You know, you zoom out back to Carlos's metaphor, every, it all ties in together, right? And that's my favorite one to think about too. Because then if you go semi-molecularly inside of you in those trillions of cells, it's you a trillion times. And it's all very fractal. I mean, that's the way that I like to visualize it. But psychedelics gave me a framework to be able to do that, right? And so they're benef very beneficial in that way. But also like the layers of the onion, like we've also talked about in this a couple of times, then that peeling off of the ego and all the 
you know, shit that you learn, the programming, we'll say, uh, is kind of beneficial in the way that it brings you to more of a baseline. But you had to lose yourself completely psychologically in this sense. You had to thin reality to a point you'd never expected before to be able to ground yourself enough to shake off what reality has programmed in you that makes you the most balanced thing that you can get. So it's like this rubber band thing, man. It whips you back, shakes off the bullshit and takes you back to natural center. In my opinion, that's just kind of the way that I visualize it. Beautiful. Thanks, this has been a dope talk, dude. Andy, you put the best ones together. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, well, thank you. Then I really appreciate y'all being here. Um, if anybody else would like to jump in and just say anything to close us out and I'll, I'll take it afterwards, but it's been so great to have you guys. Yeah. I, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for having me. You know, this was an awesome conversation and, you know, I don't have any hard feelings towards anyone that we, that anyone here or anything that we talked about tonight. Uh, but, uh, I would just say, like I was saying before it was psychedelics, just be careful. It, uh, they are trapped in themselves. There are entities, attached to them and i know that uh some you know it's hard to imagine that we're being misled by things at times but when we are in those wor worlds what we have to do is just uh call on something of positivity that you know that is that is going to help guide you in the right direction the one thing for me that i always did with all my psychedelic trips like i said i always put my cell phone away I uh, and I meditated by myself alone for hours listening to music binary beats or listening to music about Jesus it was the only thing that I could do because I started listening to Travis Scott which was cool and fun but then I came to a point where it was like do you want to go down this path or this path and I had to turn off the Travis Scott so you know it it really breaks it down for you when you're doing it if your really intent is to get in touch with God, then you're going to really get in touch with God. And then God's going to show you everything you need to see, but just uh, integrate longer than maybe a few months. Uh, just you really got to, and, and it's hard when we're trying to wake up and we're, and, you know, we all want to jumpstart. We got to take it slow. I went super fast and, and it was cool you know because i am where i am now i understand the world in a whole crazy type of way but it is also very dangerous and i was misled for a long time by what i turned out to be demons that were in me that were in me for a long time and only the name of jesus christ chased them out of me so uh it is a very uh different thing to be saved by christ and be doing things on the human level that in our everyday, we're picking up trash, we're helping uh, elderly across the street, or whatever. We're doing the conscience right thing versus just doing psychedelics and thinking that we're going to be gods because of that. You know, it, you just want to be doing the right thing no matter what it is, helping people achieve a connection with the Creator is like one of the most best things you could ever do. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else? We the number one thing that I know is that I don't know anything, you know, and that's how <laughs> we need to see this world. There are no absolutes. Drugs, psychedelics, they're only tools in my opinion. Right. And if you use them 
in my opinion, uh, the word would be if you use them correctly, um, it would be with, with sacred, you know, like with intent, uh, you know, like this is, this is something very sacred and lead with your heart and, or whoever's leading you, you know, if they're, they're a heart centered individual, you know, it's the, the, the tools themselves are not evil. Money is not evil. Crystals are an evil. The sun is an evil. All the things that everybody's trying to demonize. Saturn. <laughs> and a lot of stuff, exactly. A lot of stuff that, that we talk about, usually they're, they're projections of our traumas, our, 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 I don't know, stuck, stuck emotions or whatever. But, you know, these are just perceptions. There are no absolutes. We don't know Jack. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, this has been epic and I really appreciate every single one of you for coming on. And then it's not easy to jump into a, a round table with this many people. And I think it went exactly as it should have gone. And I think it was really great. So I just wanted to thank you guys, all of you for coming on. And if you want to plug your shows, your, your work, plug away. EmmanuelKingman.com. <laughs> I'd like to plug rising, <laughs> rising from the ashes podcast. Ooh, I like. <laughs> Sorry, I have a, I have a podcast. Um, uh, greetings, Earth family. But I, I also do a lot of stuff. I heal with with mushrooms. I heal with QHHT. I, I do all kinds of you know energy blah blah blah. Just yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I'm around. Oh, and Worship in the Storm. Yeah, Worship in the Storm. It was an excellent uh, episode last week. That's right. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, ExpandingRealityPodcast.com. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me, dude. This was great. Oh, Everybody yeah. on here is a badass, dude. I'm grateful we met up in this time in this game, you know, to stick with the metaphor. And let's carry on, keep kicking ass, and just, <laughs> you know, being nice to everybody, right? And just being these fucking amazing lighthouses, because all of you are. This is great. You are. Thank you, and I love you. Get out of here. I love my, you. Guys. My name is Andre Mitty. You can find me at Essential Chessman Podcast. And, uh, Thank you. People can follow me at uh, the My Family Thinks Some Crazy Podcast. Andy, Ooh. thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, to the listeners, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now when this hits you. Oh, and I—I I forgot my podcast, Godcast, the Goodness Over Darkness podcast. I gave my website, but not my Get podcast. Together, Todd. <laughs> I know I'm all over the place here. Past is bedtime. It is. Look, I don't have a podcast, you guys. I feel left out. I got better start. Oh, everybody has a podcast. Thank you for doing Carlos, big thing. That's why you gotta just you know be on everybody else's, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Love all. to have you on Rising. That'd be awesome. Oh, sorry. Sorry. sorry, sorry. No, by all means. And that's the best. That's why I do this. And maybe this sounds cheesy, but when everybody ends up exchanging some emails at the end of these things and, and we all gain some new perspectives and, and, you know, we it happens like that. Every time I do one of these, people kind of meet up and they didn't talk about this before or this and that. So it's, it's been awesome, and I really appreciate you guys. And listeners, viewers, thank you all. And this has been The Witness. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. <laughs>
Wait. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats swimming together. That's hysteria. Enough. <laughs> I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, well, then I can tell you what we know and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.